Hi, I'm Kyle. And I'm Trevor. And welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. If you're not familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein myself and Kyle take turns introducing each other to movies, and uh, in this way we catch up on our cinema. Uh, So it is the month of July, and uh, because I had essentially like five consecutive episodes in a row to myself, um, I figured it would be nice for Kyle to have, you know, creative control for the next several episodes. So uh, this month, Kyle, um, (laughs) Kyle is the puppet master. Um, Kyle, what are we doing this month? Well, uh, I I thought it'd be fun to catch up on some black and white movies because there's been some black and white movies in my queue for a while and... You know, whatever mood I'm in is going to determine what I want to watch. And that just, it's been pretty strong for a while. So I'm like, you know what, I'm going to pull the trigger. So uh, last week we did uh, Captain Blood, which I still very much, I'm really glad that we got to do that. I really like that movie. Um, And I was actually going to choose uh, The Mummy, uh, Boris Karloff, uh, The Mummy for this week. Um, And that was a blind Blu-ray purchase for me. Uh, And then I watched it and I should have saved uh, my time and my money, and I should have just bought War of the Worlds Criterion release uh, half off, <laughs> because that might be one of the most boring movies I've ever seen in my entire life. Thanks to Captain Blood, I'm like, oh, I can go back and watch these old movies now. So I'm like, I'm going to go back and watch The Mummy. That movie is the poster. That's the best part of that movie. I kind of subtly tried to warn you about that. You didn't, though. That's the thing. <laughs> I, I should like, have been more fine. explicit about it. Yeah, I, I was very, I was very kind to it. Because every time oh. Kyle brought it up in conversation, I'd say like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine." <laughs> I never said it was bad, and I probably should have. Because hey, when cause, I come, yeah, it would have saved you some money. I didn't know you were gonna buy a fucking Blu-ray. I thought I you were like, gonna like rent it or something. It's like twelve bucks. It was just one of those things. Oh, it was like twelve bucks. Uh, Use Blu-ray. I'm like, yeah, that works. Just buy it. Uh, I'm sure it'll be fine on my shelf. Um, I like some of those older horror movies, the Universal Monsters. I don't like that one. Wolfman is still um, he not even by a nose. Like he, it's a landslide victory still of the Universal Monsters I've seen. Well, I think both you and I um, need to see Bride of Frankenstein. Yes, because uh, every all signs point to that being like the first one is a masterpiece in its own in its own right, mostly because it kind of started the whole Universal mm-hmm. monster thing, aside from Dracula and whatnot. Um, but Bride of Frankenstein, as far as I know, is like the real highlight of the Universal Frankenstein movies. Um, and Spanish Dracula. Mm, very yeah. much would like to see Spanish Dracula because I've heard that is fantastic. We'll, we'll maybe cover one of those. Maybe I'll throw Bride of Frankenstein. Maybe that's something we can mutual this month. But anyway, the one that I had Trevor catch up on this week uh, is Clerks 1994, directed by Kevin Smith. Uh, this is the uh, debut film from of, uh, of Kevin Smith, Silent Bob. Uh, the first film in the uh, View Askewniverse, which is, uh, I believe, five or six films um, that have these same characters um, in them, including like Dogma, Mallrats, Clerks Two, Chasing Amy. I think that's I think that's all of them, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, oh, Jan Silent Bob Strike Back, um, and then Jan Silent Bob Reboot, which is one of the worst things I've ever I've seen half of. <laughs> yeah, Kyle was actually very very excited to check that one out. Um, he put a whole day aside to watch it, and then I think he texted me like the same day, and he was like, "Nope, can't do it." Nope. <laughs> so bad. But uh, Kevin Smith, um, not only is it his debut uh, as a filmmaker, but it's almost his debut on this show 
mm-hmm. um, because we did the uh, the documentary uh, the death of superman lives yes, which he was a he was a huge component of um in fact i wouldn't be surprised if he helped produce it or something because i think he's friends with the filmmaker and he's featured in a lot of interviews in it but um we should probably talk about kevin smith before we get into the movie proper probably yeah yeah, um, it sounds like both you and I, like, talking before we started recording, we both generally like Kevin Smith mm-hmm. as a person, uh, maybe more so than as a filmmaker. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's kind of like a, a 50, 40 or 50% filmography for me. 40 or 50% of his movies I really enjoy. Um, Jersey Girl was one that I just watched recently, like, fairly recently. I fucking love that movie. That is probably, like, his overall best movie. This is, I, I enjoy this one, but, like, as a film, like it's got the comedy, it's got the heartstrings, it's got the, it's got everything. It's a really nice, it's a nice little movie. No, I I enjoyed Clerks. Um, I haven't seen Jersey Girl. Um, I remember really liking Mallrats. I remember mostly mm-hmm. because my brother hyped it up quite a bit. That was the, that was the first Kevin Smith movie I ever saw. That's the first one I saw as well. Actually, this was probably the first one. My, my I think my sister, my stepsister, rented this and Mall. Like she rented Mallrats and then went ahead and rented this while she was at it. Well, there was a thing going on at this time in, in the film world where it's like 1994. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like in some ways you you have you have Kevin Smith, you have Quentin Tarantino, and you have Robert Rodriguez all kind of like circling each other. They're, they're not at all part of the same realm, although Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino have definitely become friends with each other and work together. Kevin Smith was always just kind of on the side doing his own thing. but All Miramax though, correct? I want to say yeah. I think they're all part of Weinstein. I, I think, think they're, they're all Weinstein's children. <laughs> they are, I believe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like indie cinema was really a thing in the '90s, and I feel like the time was just right for this movie in particular. Um, so much so that like, I wish I had seen it when I was younger because I enjoyed it now as you know someone in their early 30s. But had I been a teenager when I saw this. Wow, I think I would have really loved this. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that Aaron Sorkin probably takes the uh, the crown for the most uh, dialogue heavy um, scripts and stuff like that. I mean, Tarantino is well known, and I think he does it the best. I mean, he's got some of the best dialogue sequences in a mo- in movies. Period. Like again, one of my favorite scenes is True Romance uh, between you know Christopher Walken and Dennis Hopper. Um, but that's why I wanted to talk to you about while we were doing this was Kevin Smith because. Arguably, he is a very big... This is a dialogue-heavy film where a lot of the action is just in the the conversation. And some of it's genuine. Some of it is definitely not. Like, genuinely how people would talk to each other. I think when Randall and Dante are first talking, that's not how people talk. Uh, No. (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) But there are moments where it feels real. And I was wondering, was he kind of influenced before that, or is he kind of one of the front runners with this style? Uh, well, I was telling you off air that I did a little bit of research, and I guess Richard Linklater was like a huge source of inspiration. Uh, the movie Slacker came out like four years before this, I think. And I guess seeing that movie was the catalyst for Kevin Smith treating the idea of being a filmmaker as a like a serious concept. That was kind of the catalyst for it. Was watching that movie, but um, uh, as far as I understand, Kevin Smith was a film school. Re- uh, he dropped out. He didn't <laughs> get rejected. No, yeah. he, he like he went in there. He learned what he felt he needed to learn, and then he um, he did the old fashioned bootstraps thing, and he uh, mm-hmm. raised the funds himself and uh, 
got all his friends and family to help him out making this movie. But um, I don't know if the the coffee talk thing started with him. I haven't seen Richard Linklater's films. Um, I know, you. I know he he has a reputation. Um, he's he's the guy that does the uh, the long projects like Boyhood and Jesus. Uh, I'm never gonna Brad watch on, that. On, Brad on the Cinema Speak podcast, I think, spotlight a couple of his movies. So he he has a a very strong reputation among among film people. Um, but yeah, the coffee talk style dialogue, I couldn't tell you where that started. Um, and I don't know that Kevin Smith entirely fits into that category because, like you said, there's something about the way he writes his dialogue that really fails to sound natural. <laughs> very much. It's yeah. still it's still charming in its own right, but you can tell the actors are kind of struggling with it because it just doesn't flow properly and a lot of it has to do with word choice i think some actors now i'll argue with that because this movie particularly yes i don't know i think Don, uh uh randall's pretty good at it uh, he's, he seems pretty well versed as a character in in his world i would say um i think uh like dogma janine garofalo i feel like she does well with this kind of dialogue i, I like her um well I want to say by the time you got to Dogma, though, a lot of those, a lot of those people on that set were, no, uh, they were like actual actors and yeah. comedians, so they probably took things for a little bit of a walk. Dante um, is not. Sorry. No. He's one of no. the worst. Yeah, he's one of the worst. <laughs> yeah, he's one of the worst, but it suits the character. Yes. And I would actually argue back that Randall grapples with the dialogue quite a bit. You think but so? he. But he nails the tone of the character. Okay, so the, that's the wor- The words coming out of his mouth don't sound right, but the tone and the general energy that he gives off is exactly what it needs to be. It's just that Kevin Smith's script is kind of, like, not right. <laughs> There's just some things that just aren't right. <laughs> I do, he, like, I've only seen him in Kevin Smith movies, and he, I usually, like, his characters are always fun. Like, he usually plays Randall, or uh, he's in Zack and Mary Make a Porno, playing kind of a potty mouth little shit as well, but uh, still fun. Um, but yeah, uh, so I'll just give the a brief summary real quick of the film. Uh, this is just a day in the life of uh, a guy that works in a convenience store and his friend who works in the video store next to the convenience store. Um, I chose this one because this is one that Trevor needed to see for a while, uh, because as much as you uh, like projects that don't like uh failed productions and stuff like that i'm like how about people who just scrape them like literally by the skin of their teeth got this thing you know made um and i think this is probably i think this might be the poster child for those movies i don't know of any other filmmaker that's like uh i mean maybe a racer head um but i don't think it's had the success i don't think it's been as successful as this one or somebody who's literally like like Apparently, with this film, uh, Kevin Smith was actually worked at this convenience store, filmed it in the evening while he was supposed to be off, like after hours, and then had to get up and go to work the next day in the same place. Um, I think it was like twenty-three days of shooting. I don't know of any other like independent films like this that were just like made, actually made, and made it to theaters kind of thing, like like fly by night kind of style. I mean, Dawn of the Dead had an actual budget, but the filming of it, we we talked at length about mm-hmm. how they literally did it the same way where it's just like you have you have free reign to do whatever you want but it's got to be clean by morning (laughs) um i think el mariachi uh had much less of a budget than this movie um i don't know if it had any financiers um but as far as i can tell uh kevin smith pretty much 
this was entirely his baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, he even edited this. I was actually really shocked to see that. Um, and, you know, famously, Robert Rodriguez uh, touches every facet of his films. <laughs> um, catering, I'm sure he's involved in. <laughs> but um, Kevin Smith, I didn't know that he had experience as an editor. And uh, that's a little bit shocking to me because I always thought, when I think Kevin Smith, I think just like, just a little bit of ineptitude. <laughs> like, <laughs> charming, he's charming as all hell. Um, he's a wonderful personality. Um, I've actually really enjoyed some of his podcasts. His uh, uh, Fat Man on Batman, <laughs> or since it's been it's a it's been renamed since as a yeah. Fat Man Beyond because of copyright concerns, I believe. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but um, no, I, I like him and Mark Bernard. Uh, they they have a good rapport. I've watched a little bit of his speaking tours and whatnot, and he just seems really affable, but. I feel like his enthusiasm maybe gets in the way of his process a little bit. And like his tendencies are all charming in some way, though, Mm -hmm. Um, because, I mean, just the fact that he has a cinematic universe points to the fact that, yeah, he's a comic book guy. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And in fact, I guess he sold his comic book collection to finance the film. Well, he's also (laughs) he's also I think you can excuse comedy directors because he's almost exclusively a comedy director. I'd say that. Jersey Girl's got like a little bit of a rom-com vibe to it, even though it's more of like a daughter and father kind of thing, which makes the movie sweet. Um, but I think you, I'm, I guess I'm a little more forgiving uh, when it comes to comedy directors. Like when they pretty much just do that, I'm like, I don't, that, the little things here and there don't bother me. I don't let them bother me as much, as long as the jokes land. Uh, that's just my personal. Well, I mean... This, I mean, we're kind of going all over the place here. Or at least I am. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, like one of the big things about this movie that's very charming to me is that it's it feels like something I made when I was young. Yeah, I, I've basically made this movie. Um, most also men of a it. certain age attempt to make this movie um, because of just angst. <laughs> it's like relationship stuff. Check. Uh, fight with your your roommate slash friend. Check. You know, it's like it checks all the boxes. And yet, you know, the major difference is this actually got sold. This yeah. actually became a thing. And uh, for the most part, it's actually shot and edited pretty pretty well. Mm-hmm. Like, there's nothing grossly wrong with it at all. Um, it's a decently there's, well put together movie. It's a movie. <laughs> there's some, I, I want to call it independent film shots that I, I could think of. Like, the, there's a shot on the salsa that I'm like, that's okay. That's kind of weird. I don't know why that's there. Um, the other reason I wanted you to see this is because... This is one of my top five uh, 90s nostalgia movies. Uh, Not necessarily that this was one that I watched when I was a kid, but this is a time capsule. Like, this might be the 90s time capsule movie. I wholeheartedly agree. There are several things that I put down in my notes that I was like, wow. It really. Kids watching this will have no idea what the fuck is going on. There's (laughs) so much going on. Let's just. You want to jump into it? Please. What did you think of the uh, opening sequence? That's the other thing. Was the music is the first thing. Uh, this is when punk rock was still a th- like a thing. Uh, we didn't even get to pop punk yet. This was still just like punk rock. Um, we get you know Dante. Um, like we get we get like the the cast, but we're getting like spliced in with like what's happening with Dante as well. Um, Dante's our main character. I don't know the actor's name. I, "Quote unquote actor." Uh, <laughs> "Quote unquote actor." I'll look it up for you. He's a little bit. I like him a little bit better in Clerks too. I not not a lot of people like that one. I think Clerks two is fucking hilarious. It's a different film than this, but it's the same characters and it's a lot of fun. Uh, 
Yeah, he uh, he has had a, a long night. It looks like he wakes up in his closet and he is getting a call from the boss that he has to go open up the quick stop. Uh, even though he closed last night, uh, he uh, doesn't want to, and he says, "I'll be there until noon, but you have to come in at noon." And that's as, that's as long as you get me. And uh, we we get the shots of him like kind of opening up the store with the casting crew as it's going along. Did you find out what his name is? Brian O'Halloran. Yeah. Yeah, uh, he doesn't have an extensive filmography. No, um, he does but, not. But he does have a filmography, which is, you know, something. Um, yeah. Mostly he works with Kevin Smith. Yeah. He was on an episode of Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> he plays Gil. Probably my favorite. He plays Gil in um, in uh, Mallrats, the one that uh, Jason Lee is picking on that's sitting next to him. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a lot of fun. I'd like to rewatch that. But yeah, this opening sequence... Um, roll it back just a little bit um the opening production logo oh um, yeah this hand about that this this, uh it's a cutout animation as far as i can tell uh it's it's, uh pretty impressive (laughs) um it's a it's a clown and a child and uh it's a the view askew productions logo um i want to say this was the only time this was ever used Uh, you you can correct me if i'm wrong but uh, somebody lovingly drew these images, and uh, somebody also uh, cut them out and animated them. And it's actually pretty sharp for a, a very indie logo. Um, I did want to point that out. Thank you for for bringing that up because uh, Kevin Smith has like kind of a Farley Brothers grotesque sense of humor, kind of an off color sense of humor. Um, I think even more so than well, I don't know. Me, myself, and Irene is pretty fucking nuts. <laughs> There's some crazy shit in that movie, um, but that's also why I like Kevin Smith. Is he? He's 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 a raunchy comedy kind of guy, and I this you get little tastes of it, and I think he might be the original Urban Dictionary because uh, <laughs> we get the explanation of what a snowball is, which I think he might have started that in film, like that 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 trend. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I mean, that's that's part of uh, ha- having enough like gumption to 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 take like your your life or your friends and put them on film. Is you you need to have enough of an ego to believe that other people want to hear this shit. Yeah, <laughs> that, that other people will find it interesting. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he originated that. But um, yeah, he he does have a little bit of a, a raunchy side to his sense of humor. Um, he's he seems very childlike in a lot of ways. Um, and you know, 1994, we are kind of in the midst of the Ren and Stimpy business. Mm-hmm. Um, like gross out humor was very much in vogue around this time. So again, like perfect timing. Like I, you know, Harvey Weinstein monster that he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had an eye for like he he had his finger to the pulse. Yeah, um, this, it was exactly the right time for Clerks to come out. Um, but yeah, uh, our first shots are like, I think it's a phone and then we do, um, this is where the, the editing comes in where it's like, we get a phone, we get a shot of a happy dog and, uh, Dante falls out of a closet and Kyle, did I miss something? Do we ever get an explanation as to why he's in that closet? Quirky. I'm just going to, there's going to be moments in here. I'm just going to say quirky. Sure. Uh, It didn't bother me. It's just like, we never call back to that. However, the, uh, the script is intelligently structured. Uh, in such a way that we do call back to a lot of things. We uh, surprisingly, do, yeah. not that. Um, but yeah, he falls out of the closet. And also, another thing that maybe I missed, do we ever find out who the person who's supposed to be taking his shifts is? No. 
or is it just always him or who? Like? I think it's him and the boss are the two that work there. The only two people from what I understand. Okay, because, yeah, that was something that I was waiting for, but it actually kind of works that we never get that. Actually, uh, in the same vein as, like, Ren and Stimpy and whatnot, reminded me of uh, Bob Sacamano or uh, Skunky Beaumont. Uh, Bob Sacamano being from Seinfeld and uh, Skunky Beaumont being from Doug, two characters that are often referenced in those shows but never seen, Mm. except for in the Nickelodeon version of Doug where they made him an active character in the show and completely ruined the gag. Yeah, that's... Good job. (laughs) Can't do that. Uh, No, it was a Disney Doug, sorry. but um, Yeah, Disney Doug, long sleeve Doug, as soon as those sleeves come down, get the fuck off my television. Um, (laughs) But, uh, yeah, uh, the main conflict here in the opening is he's on the phone, and I guess he has a hockey game at 2 p.m., I, I like that the editing here during this whole conversation, he never gets up off his back, so he's just laying on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we keep cutting back to this happy dog while he's having this angry, like, desperate conversation. And it, it just works, um, to, to quote the uh, Fallout 76 uh, press conference or whatever. <laughs> it just works. Be careful with that phrase, Kyle. Um, if you come around certain gamer types and you, and you say that to them, they'll wince. Because it's a triggering phrase to many people. <laughs> I know two gamers, and they have pretty thick skin. So, okay, gotcha. The other um, ones I don't care about. Uh, but yeah, at the end of the conversation, he says, uh, "Swear you'll be there by twelve, or I walk." Um, and we'll see that that doesn't really come into play. But um, yeah, how would you describe this particular brand of indie rock that plays over this? Uh, montage of him leaving the house not garbage but like um i think it's um even approachable by today's standards because we do hit a moment in the 90s where that music is you cannot you cannot go back um the melvins even have come up on my playlist recently and i was shocked i'm like i thought the melvins were like some shitty rock band from like the 90s and like the melvins are actually solid i didn't even know that yeah i mean this isn't there's there's like a, a a ska a ska grunge spectrum or something where this is like maybe firmly in the middle mm-hmm. <laughs> where it's it like has some happy pluckiness to it but it's not like angry or depressing or anything well we haven't commercialized the shit out of it we're not like we have to get uh kids love this stuff we gotta get more blink 182 you just it, it it's, <laughs> this is like i was saying this is pre-pop punk Green gotcha. Day were Green Day were doing stuff, but they weren't quite that big yet. Yeah, that that makes sense. Um, but I believe during this montage, it's a low energy montage, as all yeah. of the montages in this film are. Uh, this is a low energy film for the most part, but that's actually yeah. that's actually a good thing, mm-hmm. uh, especially considering this story all takes place in a single day. So, you know, the highs can't be too high because we still got a lot of day to fill. Yeah, <laughs> but um, I caught. It looked, I could be interpreting this wrong, but to me it looked like he took a cookie jar, a ceramic cookie jar, and he took the lid off and turned it upside down to use it as a bowl, and he poured, was it coffee crystals or something, and milk into the lid and then drank the bowl? Was that correct? It's very possible. I think (laughs) what was, I think cereal is in the jar. He put the cereal into the lid. He put the instant coffee in there, and then he was eating both. So I think that's what's happening. Okay, I didn't catch the cereal. um, One thing that I noticed, uh, I don't think Kevin Smith has a foot fetish, but I think he has enough 
filmmaking instincts to know that like in an indie film sometimes you have to it's like required in an indie film that you have to put the camera up in in places it shouldn't be mm-hmm. like just random places because it's interesting and uh, one thing he did in this movie was a lot of shots of people's feet um, in this case it's actually kind of interesting because uh, we see that Dante is wearing army boots basically yeah um, this was very much a 90s fashion statement, if you weren't aware. Um, mm-hmm. We saw SLC Punk. Um, so I guess that's supposed to tell us that, like, as straight-laced and, like, uptight as Dante is, maybe he has a little bit of a rebellious streak, as we do see later in the film. Um, um, real quick, did you know Jason Mewes is, like, 19 or 20 when this movie was being filmed? He looks at... I didn't know that, though. I didn't realize he was that young here. I thought maybe he was, like, in his, like... Early to late or early to mid twenties, but yeah, he's a fucking teenager, nearly. Yeah. Um. In doing a little bit of research, I learned that apparently he and Kevin Smith met at like a community youth center or something, like uh. volunteering. <laughs> so like, apparently, Jason Mewes was and maybe still is a very good person. <laughs> I, I think. No. I think Jason Mewes is solid. I think he's had. Uh, I mean, I think he's had some issues with substance abuse. Hey, that's um, his problem, not everybody else's. <laughs> I know, but no, I don't think that he's, I, I think that's kind of his thing. Like, that's the problems he's had. I don't think he's a dick or anything. I think he's probably a really, I think he's probably a really great guy. Apparently he um, was super shy uh, around Shannon Elizabeth on the set of Janet Silent Bob Strike Back. Like, he was, like, because, I mean, yeah, she's gorgeous. I guess he was just kind of, like, really shy around her. He was actually really, cam- he's actually really camera shy, apparently. Oh, I could totally see that. Um, even among my friends, uh You've met some of them. <laughs> it's like they, they can put magic on the screen, but you have to coax it. <laughs> um, gotcha. And more often than not, you have to film them when they're not aware of it. <laughs> but yeah, you put a you put a pretty lady in the room and those people get even more self-conscious. Yeah. Um, yeah. So one thing that does happen, uh, I, it's important to know, like he he goes to get newspapers and he has to like pay for newspapers and uh because they're out of newspapers in the store, and he gets his quarterback, which is fun. Uh, but he can't open up the. This was interesting. They can't. He can't open up the doors. So the, I guess the shutter doors that businesses use. Sometimes they'll use a gate, and other ones just have the doors. Uh, I guess somebody put gum in the locks, um, and he can't open it. But the reason why they're closed is because Kevin Smith had to film in the evening, and those had to be shut. So they actually had to um, kind of discuss that in the script like they they fixed it in the script so that it made sense yeah Um, i mean you have to block out the sun somehow and that's actually a really easy way to do it um but the important thing is that uh it won't open so he gets a sheet dante gets a sheet out of his trunk and he gets some shoe polish and he uh writes on the uh on the sheet i assure you we're open uh i'm just mentioning that because it comes up a lot uh, throughout the film it's kind of a fun gag it's a fun running gag because a lot of characters will approach Dante and they'll just mention in passing, like, what smells like shoe polish? <laughs> it's like, oh, well, it's because he used a whole bunch of shoe polish to paint this sign. And again, this all takes place in a single day, so it makes sense that, you know, it would still linger on him. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's several running gags in this movie, and that's one of them. Um, and then uh, I believe we get a title card. Um, this movie has chapters. Um, the first one we got was at the opening of the movie. I think it just read Dante. And uh, the next one is Vilification. Uh, this and, is appa- uh, I would say this is apparently from the Divine Comedy. This is supposed oh. to be the, the, <laughs> the Nine Circles of Hell or something like that. 
well, Dante, Divine Comedy. Makes yeah. Sense. <laughs> but uh, this is where we get, I believe, literal coffee and cigarette talk. <laughs> um, uh, as there's a customer standing at the counter drinking coffee, asking permission if he can drink it in the store. Um, and then we get a scene where someone else walks up to the counter and wants to buy some cigarettes, Kyle. And uh, how does this go? How does this go down? <laughs> uh, so we've got I I this is the one gag I always remember is this guy. Uh, this, this kid's going up to buy cigarettes, and there's a guy sitting out there. He's like, "Oh, you don't need to buy cigarettes." And he's like, "Why?" He pulls out like a uh, like a cancerous lung, and is telling this guy, "You smoke that? That's what your lung looks like right now." And I mean. You're going to have a tracheotomy, and it's going to be disgusting. And the guy actually is like, oh, man, that's that sucks. I'm just going to buy the gum. Like, it actually works on him. Uh, that did work on me. The the commercial of the lady talking with the hole in her throat and the face transplant. I'm like, yep, I'm good. Yeah. Debbie or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be a smoker. I saw a girl who was in her 20s. With that shit in her throat the other day, she worked at a gas station. Oh, uh, no. oh man, that I oh. it it's so unsettling when I see it. Really freaks me out every time I see it. I'm like, oh, and she's like, <clears throat> like sitting there. Oh God, I can't do it. I can't do it. What substance was a uh, Rachel Lee Cook against? Because that that oh. that commercial worked for me. Rachel Lee Cook. I think it was no, that was Henry Henry Rollins did meth because he destroys <laughs> that Jeep or whatever. And uh, Pee Wee Herman did uh, crack. Um, did he? Yeah, he did. In costume, like in character. It wasn't. It was, <laughs> oh, really? That doesn't work. Yeah. Um, this this is crack. <laughs> <laughs> he had the he had the fucking bottle. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't remember what she was mad about. Probably weed because people are stupid. Probably weed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she smashed up that kitchen real good. <laughs> I, like, I like where those commercials went. They were like, weed's evil. You're going to die in a wreck if you smoke it. And then finally they're like, they put this like handsome kid on the couch and he's like, I never, I smoked weed and I just didn't do anything. I, you know what? I just sat on the couch the whole time. You know what? I'll take my chances out there. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. So you have a way for teenagers to stay safe inside. And you're like, don't do that. Go outside. Like, do you realize what you just said? It's safer to be inside smoking pot. <laughs> You Boom. morons. <laughs> uh, yeah, so yeah, first thing, vilification, we got the gum guy. Uh, we get our uh, introduction to Jay and Silent Bob. Um, I This isn't my favorite Jay and Silent Bob, but this is up there. I, I enjoyed this version of them. It's pretty fun. <laughs> uh, Jay, in particular, is very subdued. Silent Bob is actually more animated than I'm used to. Yes, he is, actually. Like he actually moves. Like I'm used to. I'm when I think Silent Bob, uh, who, folks at home, if you're not aware, is played by Kevin Smith. Yeah. If you uh, how how the fuck are how you, do you not, not aware? know that? Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm used to him doing like a lot of eyebrow acting and stuff. But no, in this one, he does like he's he moves a lot more. He dances, um, as is customary. He has very few lines, being as he's Silent Bob. Um, but yeah, Jason Mewes definitely. You can see the camera shyness just a little bit. Like he's dialed back a little bit mm. um but i like the the punchline before we cut to them where uh the the guy at the counter with he has props in a bag so obviously this guy's some side some sort of like anti-tobacco like spokesperson yeah. or something so he has the the cruddy lung and like a trach ring and stuff so he successfully convinces that that kid to buy gum instead of cigarettes and then the punchline to that gag before we cut away is like 
the guy's about to leave and then another customer comes in and says cigarettes and then like you can tell that dante's standing on the other side of the counter is just like mother like yeah. you 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 gotta go yeah. <laughs> like like you're you're ruining the profit margin this is man. a cigarette store where people occasionally buy chips okay that's what a convenience store is in the 90s i mean basically every person who comes into the store buys cigarettes yeah and i i wrote down the price later on and i was like wow 1994 was a different mm. world. Mm. <laughs> it might as well be 50s. Might as well be 50s prices. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, and like there's a lot of products that people buy that are like he says 35 as in 35 cents. Yeah. Has I've I don't think I've ever bought anything that wasn't like candy from a bucket. Yeah. <laughs> the co- the cost in that range in that price range. In 94, I don't even think cans of Coke were 35 cents yet. I think they were still 25 cents. I mean, pre-9-11, $1 gas? $1 gas? What the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> we saw it for a little while. It was down to like 140 here uh, during the uh, during the quarantine. Yeah, yeah, I believe it. But um, So I wrote down a couple of lines here that uh, Jay and Silent Bob have in there. Well, just Jay uh, yeah. has in his, his introductory sequence here. <laughs> I'll fuck anything that moves. <laughs> I hate guys. I love women. Yeah. He get he gets way more potty mouth and foul mouth as the uh, universe uh, develops. I wouldn't be surprised if it was like because they they let him off the chain or something. Because this this is a first film. Uh, like speaking from some measure of experience, I you you feel kind of married to something if it's been put to paper. Like mm-hmm. you, you kind of want it to be exactly as you wrote it, I guess. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if combination of Jason Mewes being a little camera shy and Kevin Smith being in charge of everything mm-hmm. and paying his own money for it. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if like he was directing Jason Mewes to just say the fucking lines. Yeah. <laughs> like, just, just read the fucking script. But later on, you can tell it's like, no, he's, he's just letting him go and it's beautiful yeah <laughs> I, I generally like jay he he has one of my favorite jokes in there i got it, it's later but it's really funny um <laughs> yeah so inside we get back inside to the uh, the smoking guy and he is leading a revolt because all these shit bags are coming in to buy cigarettes and he's i mean he's holding court here and uh he's about to get them to revolt against him like he's equating dante with being a nazi <laughs> which is pretty funny <laughs> They're just doing your job. And he's like, what the fuck? And then uh, as they're about to, it looks like they're about to uh, storm him, uh, they get hit with a fire extinguisher. And we meet uh, Veronica, who looks a lot like uh, uh, Ray Liotta's Gumar from uh, Goodfellas, the uh, Debbie Mazar. Do you remember her? The one that has all the coke. Yeah. I I do. Uh, The coke toilet. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) She also reminds me a little bit of, uh, and this is a this was a look in the '90s, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, look it up, children. Um, Laura Sanjiacomo. Um, she was on that uh, Just Shoot Me show. Oh. Um, yeah, there, there's a particular hairstyle and just like facial construction. Yes, I know. Very, you're very, about. very petite woman. Usually dark hair. Usually very big eyes. Um, usually very fiery. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was very much a trope in the '90s, and yeah. I, I. I kind of miss it. <laughs> like I miss it being a trope, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it was because it was like expected. You'll have something like this in your movie. <laughs> yeah, th- th- you're right. It was a little bit of a trope. Um, but yeah, she comes in and she has a fire extinguisher and she sprays the crowd. Um, and so she, 
she takes the fire extinguisher to the the guy who started this whole this whole situation, and uh, she outs him as a like a sales rep for Chuli's gum. Yeah, because um, he, she, I think she asked for like his business card or something. So she's like, oh, so you mean you basically almost started a riot in the store just so you could sell gum to people? <laughs> like, that's kind of fucked up. Um, but yeah, she, I noticed, uh, and I was telling you this uh, before we started recording, that um, she is an actress. I don't know her name or if she's been in other things, but I feel like she was a little uneasy with some of the script. Um, there's just certain dialogue blips here and there where she stumbles a little bit or it just doesn't come naturally. Um but I think the reason she was hired is because she has a couple of outbursts in this movie, like literally a couple mm-hmm. um, that she's excellent in. Like when she's screaming at people, she's great. Yeah. Um, but when she's doing this, when she's kind of dialed back a little bit, she, I don't know, just doesn't quite work. And uh, one, the very first instance that actually made me wince just a little bit, Kyle, uh, I did enjoy this movie, but this made me wince was... Uh, she refers to all the people scrambling out of the store as a bunch of easily led automatons. And I was like, yeah, that was written by a comic book guy in the yeah. 90s. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Come it's in. like, nobody says that. I'm sorry. Like, even, even the jackass that wears the German army coat in high school doesn't say that. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, oh. But um, the last guy in the store by the way, ask for cigarettes as soon as that guy's kicked yeah, down. It's, it's pretty pretty a nice little punchline. I like how they never say a brand, and that was, I mean, to keep from having to pay royalties and stuff like that, but I do like that. It's still it's still kind of fun. It's like, can I get a pack of cigarettes? It's He just gives them, and then they're different. A couple of them are different, too. One's Marlboro, one's like Marlboro Lights, I think, but it's just fun. Um, so, yeah, uh, she... she ends up hanging out for a bit. They put a little sign up on the counter uh, that says leave change take what you need basically and he's doing her nails uh, behind the counter which he does in kevin smith has done this um and i think that's why i hated the reboot so much was that he recycles jokes a little bit it's a little more subtle in clerks i was thinking back um like they dance on top of uh in clerks too they dance on top of the roof uh he's doing um rosario dawson's nails in the office which is what he's doing here but it's subtle. The reboot is literally going frame for frame, shot for shot, through Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back and doing the same jokes. Oh, and wow. I, I don't know why he does that. Um, but here, yeah, they're they're having a conversation. This is where it's just it's just talking. Uh, it's coffee talk. It's um, coffee talk. I want to say like this could be me reaching a little bit, but again, speaking from some measure of experience, having like made movies in college and stuff, like. Um, an, an indie relationship drama, by the way, <laughs> in college. Um, I, I mean, every guy who's ever gone on dates with gals has like a, a, a little bit of a repertoire. Like they have like a like a, a best hits playlist where it's like you have that particular type of pancake you make in the morning. You mm-hmm. have that particular place that you go. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, every, it's it's a fact of life. Like you, you can pretend you're above it. You're not. <laughs> but we we all have that. We all yeah. have our go tos. We have we all have our 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 safe space where it's like we feel strongest and whatnot. And I wouldn't be surprised if small details like that probably came from real life, where Kevin Smith was writing what he knew, and maybe he did that with an ex girlfriend or with his wife or somebody. <laughs> like maybe he has fond memories of laying on a couch with with a gal and doing her nails while they have coffee talk maybe um 
maybe he actually did dance on the roof of the quick stop. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised at all. Um, being as, you know, if you know if you know the roof of your building intimately enough to film on top of it, you've probably been up there before. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I, I want to say that that was probably something tr- drawn from real life, as is, I'm sure, a lot of the dialogue in this movie. Uh, the important thing to take from this exchange is that Dante's had sex with, what, 12 women? And she reacts... She's not real happy about that. She's like, that's gross. Like, that's way too many. She's like, I've only had sex with three guys. Um, and then they end up talking to a customer uh, whose name is uh, Snowball. And we get an urban dictionary explanation of why he's called Snowball and find out that uh, Veronica has actually gone down on him, to which Dante is none too thrilled. And he also finds out uh, how many guys she's gone down on, not slept with, uh, gone down on. And what was that number? <laughs> 37 yeah including him <laughs> yeah dante's reaction 37 yeah My girlfriend sucked 37 dicks yeah. he says to a customer who's at the counter <laughs> and he says in a row <laughs> yeah jesus so in a row <laughs> that was one of my favorite jokes in a row <laughs> yeah the timing on that was really it's really perfect. solid yeah it was like jesus in a row <laughs> yeah. like he's impressed <laughs> so they're they're in a bit of an argument right now uh because of that she storms off saying i have to go to class uh i'll see you later or whatever trying to suck any dicks on your way to the parking lot <laughs> <laughs> and i like how there's a guy standing in between them as he is yeah um, again that probably taken from a real life experience of kevin smith like getting in a tiff with somebody and having a poor unfortunate customer or s- just <laughs> witness yeah. to it all or seeing it or like overhearing somebody having that conversation yeah well yeah and you didn't go into detail but uh, i believe the explanation of what snowball means or where he got the name from is all done in front of a customer as well yeah it um, is yeah <laughs> it's kind <laughs> but, of a, it's always sunny in philadelphia kind of do that gag and they do it a lot and it, it always lands which is funny where they're sitting here having a conversation and you have no idea that somebody else is uh in the room with them but like they're having a conversation in front of a doctor and they're just both morons and then they like the camera will just like pan over and like the doctor's been there the whole time uh and here like you can see the customers there like just listening to the conversation but it's still a funny gag well, I mean, that's that's like workplace comedy at its best, where it's yeah. like that's we've we all been there, where some you say the wrong thing and like, or maybe you just don't care. <laughs> in most cases, you just don't care. But um, also, I mean, this takes place in New Jersey, yeah, uh, Philadelphia. It's <laughs> pretty close, you know. Foulmouth sure, sports fans, yeah. I'm sure there's some you know bleed over, but uh, <laughs> we get our next chapter heading Randall. Yes. Um, and I believe the scene opens with Dante trying to defend, I think it's just somebody. Or I, th- I think he might be defending Randall, actually, because there's an old man who's kind of pissed yes, off. And he's yes. got a videotape he's trying to return or exchange for something else. Um, long story short, the guy has some pretty awful things to say to Dante. Um, he's, like, shitting all over his station in life, yeah. basically. Uh, Basically um, pinpointing exactly the things that Dante himself is well aware of, but not ready to come to terms with. That's basically the story of the movie um, and why this movie is important for young men of a certain age. Mm. Um, but uh, he forgets his keys as he as he storms out, which is kind of a funny detail. Yeah. But, um, we get we meet Randall uh, in the form of him uh, 
coming across a woman who's also <laughs> standing outside the video store waiting to get in so she can rent a movie called Dental School. <laughs> <laughs> he's one of my favorite. Uh, he's one of my favorite cinema characters. He's one of those people. Like I wish I had his outlook on life because he just gives no fucks, zero. He does not care about anything. I I would say that's accurate, and I'm not I'm not even you, Kyle, because. I was thinking of you the whole time he was on screen. Oh, <laughs> you remind me of him in a lot of ways. I feel go. like this this is like Kyle dialed up to eleven <laughs> like in a shitty job. Yeah, yeah. This is if I had never left my if I never left my hometown, I would be Randall Graves. Yeah. See, that's um not to grind things completely to a halt, but that's actually one of the huge plot points in this movie that it was difficult for me in particular uh, to resonate with. Um, was uh, the small town vibe of it. Gotcha. That uh, makes because sense. a huge part of the story is like a lot of the angst that Dante as a character has springs from the fact that he's in a small town and still kind of wrapped up in all the small town drama. So half of the people that come in the store know him by name or know him by reputation at the very least or went to school with him only a few years ago. So it's like he, it it's all there all the time. Whereas yeah. me, it's like, by the time I got out of high school, everybody left. And, like, I, I didn't have contact with that world anymore. So it, it didn't have any time to, like, fester and get under my skin or even register as being that important. But if you're, like, immersed in it, you know, f- four or five years post-high school or whatever, I'm sure it gets, it like, it, it kind of gets to you. Like, it bothers you. Well, it I feels gr- more important than it should be, I guess. I grew up in that environment, but I'm one of those people that left immediately. I'm the ones that got out. So that that's also kind of why I, I like this movie and Clerks too, because it's kind of like looking at what I could have been or what I could be doing now if I hadn't. Uh, we'll get to it later, but one of my favorite lines from this movie, it, it's really good. It's when they're, when Randall and uh, Dante are having an argument, and that kind of sums up like, I'll do it now. Fuck it, because it's because <laughs> uh, he says, uh, oh, he says, um, so what? You're gonna sit there and be miserable because you don't have the guts to face change, and that's it. It sums up the, like Dante's character completely. Like he just he failure to launch kind of thing. Like he just he still lives with his parents. He's working at the quick stop, and it's kind of it's just kind of refreshing to go back and see characters like this and know that that's what I could have been and that's not what I am now, and that's nice watching this movie no that that part of the story i could i could definitely vibe with like that that i got for sure but the the small town aspect yeah just having having all these familiar faces uh come in and kind of like shit on you be exhausting that's not something i've ever had to deal with it would be exhausting and that's why i like how it does not even affect randall it comes up in clerks too it finally does get to him but in this it just he does not give a shit gotcha. uh so much so that he is fucking with this customer uh <laughs> so great he we meet him he this lady's waiting to get into the video store and he's like ah he's not here i hate it when they're not here on time he's like what are you gonna rent she's like oh yeah dental school and he's like what that's what i'm gonna rent she's like tough i'm here first and he's like i bet you you are not gonna get to rent that movie i promise you she's like bet all right fine and he just walks $20. away. $20. $20. 20 bucks that you don't get to rent that. And he just walks away. <laughs> he goes into the quick mart. Now, yeah. that's the same building, just you have to go from one door to the other to get into the other. Yeah. Um, so he basically just goes next door to bother Dante. But He wasn't expecting, way, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and uh, along the way, we get a Indiana Jones quote, because, again, this was written by a comic book nerd from yes. the 90s. Um, so it's a uh, Temple of Doom reference. No time for love, Dr. Jones. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, Randall eventually does open the store, and uh, he lets the girl in. Um, I like how he does it, too. <laughs> I like how he just, he, just wa- like, he just walks in, doesn't even acknowledge her. And she's just like, nope. this motherfucker. And then he just opens up the door and just like, doesn't say anything. Just come on in. It's yeah. He does. He doesn't fess up to the fact that he's pulling her chain that whole time. <laughs> well, I mean, I I have a uh, I have a phrase that I used to use um, mostly when I worked at a thrift store um, back in the day, uh, or it wasn't even that long ago. <laughs> to be a hundred percent honest, it's like you. Everybody has their 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 domain or their kingdom, I guess, and that's randall and dante kind of where it's like even like even if you're stuck in a shitty place or a shitty situation there's a type of personality that finds a way to like carve out carve out their niche and kind of lord over that place in some in some capacity so like the thrift store we'd have people that like would take it way too seriously or get way way like more exaggeratedly pissed off over small things because it's like you're it's their livelihood and they spend enough hours there every week that's like you take ownership of it to some extent um and dante certainly has that randall not so much two questions one uh i did you want to see more of the video store because i wanted to smell i wanted to be able to smell it because uh, there's there was two types there was blockbuster and then there was the mom pop places and that's a mom pop uh video store did you want to see more of the video store and two is that your uh that's one of my like it could never happen now dream jobs like i could still maybe find a job where i'm doing a stakeout in a van or working like a mile underground in some kind of secret a secret facility but i'll never get to open up a video store and it it really breaks my heart i think after you've you you know made your millions and you're near death you can open a mom mom and pop video store on a street corner somewhere you can like raise the funds to, to you know lease the property and whatnot and it'll make no money but it'll exist and people can come in and they can cough on all your shit mm. <laughs> and, um so yeah like it, it can be like a end of the road like a life fulfilled kind of thing <laughs> yeah I, okay maybe maybe that does scarecrow need money because i'll give him more money i don't care I mean, I'm sure they'll take your money. <laughs> and it, actually, that's another thing where it's like, even if you can't own your own, maybe you can just like be a, a Walmart greeter, but at a Scarecrow, vi- at Scarecrow video. <laughs> I'll work at Scarecrow. Oh man, that would so be the, mm. I'm thinking about like when I retire, like what's my part-time job going to be when I retire? Cause you have to stay busy. Fucking Scarecrow. Keep it alive. Yeah. yeah two, like two hours a week, <laughs> two mm. hours a week at Scarecrow at the age of 75 or 80 or something. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> Dreams. Dreams. Up to it. But um, yeah, Randall opens the store. We get another title card. This one is Syntax. Yeah. And uh, this is uh, Randall and Dante talking in the quick stop. And what what is the dance that Randall does? Like, because when he first walks into the quick stop, he does the like. It made me think of Ninja Turtles and Ninja Turtles Three, which I should never think of because that's horrible. I want to. It reminded me of Breakfast Club, but I think it's just something he does because he does it in uh, Clerks Two as well. I uh, want to say it's a reference to something because Dante names it at the end of the movie. I can't. Um, so I, I don't know what it is. Um, there's a few. Um, 
I don't know if it's here, but the way we frame Randall, have you? And it happens, I think, with Veronica as well, where we have Dante uh, behind the counter, and Randall will like put his arm like um, facing uh, the same direction as uh, Dante. They're like looking through the store, but he's got he's on the other side of the counter with his elbows up, and they kind of have a conversation. Does he do that here? Uh, I I think that's just his default posture in most instances. It's, um, but he's it's, usually facing away from the people he's talking to. Particularly in, in like it's particularly when Dante's behind the counter and then Randall's on the other side of the counter and they're both facing the same direction but still having the conversation. Yeah, um, I want to say that's like a, a character quirk, um, okay. probably something that was in the script because it actually fits his character really well. Because mm-hmm. um, you know, quote unquote MTV generation, like everybody thought everybody had ADHD and stuff, mm. and. He's generally dismissive of other human beings. Oh, very much. <laughs> so, so it would make sense for him to always have a prop. Like he's either watching a TV or reading a newspaper, yes. or he almost never makes eye contact with people. And when he does, it's you usually don't want Dante. him to. <laughs> well, it's usually Dante, and it's usually when he's saying something that's hurtful, yeah. but you know, well intentioned but hurtful. He's judgy and abrasive, and he is in no position. Uh, in life to be so but it doesn't matter even if you told him like you're a piece of shit and he's like yeah well so are you like i don't well, care he's the joker from the dark knight you have nothing you to, have <laughs> nothing, have to, nothing you can hurt me with <laughs> oh, yeah. with all of your strength oh. you have nothing <laughs> that's one of the best parts of that movie is oh and then you, you have, have to hit him i noticed here and this is a 90s artifact uh Gatorade in a glass bottle. Right? I have I have a question mark exclamation mark. <laughs> I'm like, it was in a glass bottle? That's not safe. <laughs> you can't bring that on a field. Oh, oh we, I completely skipped past the Dr. Pepper can. The guy that uh, asks about the snowball. He's the one that has the Dr. Pepper can from the 90s. Oof, mm. that one really took me back. Yeah, there's several props in this movie that uh, will take you back. I did not actually know about the Gatorade in a glass bottle, though. I didn't know um, all my memories of Gatorade are in a plastic one. So, plastic one. Uh, maybe it's a New Jersey thing. I don't know. <laughs> maybe I don't know. I mean, regional regional sodas and beverages were were definitely a thing. I mean, we all we all remember the surge phenomenon. Yeah. Oh yeah. What? <laughs> you have what? <laughs> we get our we get our snappy dialogue between the two of them, and I think the the main thing to take from this is that um, Randall tells Dante that Dante's ex girlfriend, I guess, of five years, uh, is getting married to some Asian photographer. Is that what it was? <laughs> Uh, it's like Asian in, Asian studies or something. Yeah, it's inconsequential, but yeah, he, he's basically she's getting married, and I guess they haven't been broken up for very long. Yeah, uh, she Caitlin cheated on him eight times. Um, eight and, and a half times, uh, sorry. Eight and a half times, yes. Um, and uh, apparently there was an incident where she she called Dante Brad while they were sleeping together, and that kind of set him off. And uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, did you catch the rest of the story? Uh, you want to fill me in here? <laughs> yeah. So she went into the room to have sex with, uh, with sex with Brad. So they were ha- like they started to have sex, and then she realized it wasn't Brad, and uh, that's why he counted as a half because they still did it, but she thought it was somebody else. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, there's a there's a good line that Dante has to sum up, like I guess their juvenile, like the early stages of their flirtations and their relationship was algebra. 
bad lunch and infidelity. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, young love. But uh, Dante also has a line that uh, he does this a lot. Um, This is a good character quirk. It needs to be said, like, as as weird as some of the, like, word choices in the dialogue, these are well well fleshed out characters mm-hmm. you know who they are they're very consistent they have and dimensions part, yes yeah yeah they're people um but dante basically uh, has it's a not so freudian slip where he he just has word diary and says that he suspects that like he has tension with veronica because he's in his mind aware of the fact that he's leaning towards caitlin um and is kind of like bracing himself for a breakup with veronica which is why he's getting in these like random arguments with her over essentially nothing because like it's you know there's there's tension there that she's not aware of i guess mm-hmm. and also um needs to be said veronica's been encouraging him to go to school like not just to go to school but like she's kind of been hinting you should come to my school <laughs> like yeah <laughs> so she's kind of pushing him towards you know new horizons like a better life kind of um but then we cut to the uh, video store, and there's a woman carrying a small little little, little girl, um, and she wants to rent a video called Happy Scrappy Hero Pup. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, Randall is on the other side of the counter on the phone, Kyle, and you want to yeah, <laughs> tell you. the folks at home what happens here? Yes, I'm actually looking for the, uh, the movie list so I can name it off. I will name it off. I do not care. Uh, the So this scene, actually, while I'm looking for this, uh, you can tell that it... Uh, it's they're not shot together like it's not actually happening in the same room is because the actor was uh, he was uncomfortable with saying these things in front of the kid because uh, there's quite a bit of uh, <laughs> stuff in this <laughs> yeah oh man come on <sighs> so um, also I noticed in the credits um, apparently this whole family um, the the mother and the daughter and apparently the husband uh are all in this movie mm. it's uh, the last name is a uh, ferrera i just noticed at the end of the credits it's like wow that's a lot of ferreras <laughs> 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 so it was a family affair but yeah i would under i could understand why he wouldn't want to say some of the shit in front of the little girl <laughs> yeah because so, yeah it's very much like a shot reverse shot kind of situation where they just did like a close-up of him uh reading all the movie titles and then did a reverse of the reaction of like the mom holding the girl um actually like while you're while you're looking for that i'll just mention that like uh something that's really cute not good but cute about the cinematography in this movie is they do a lot of things where uh people will be off camera that aren't actually there but they won't they won't show you a reverse angle of it so you never actually see what the actors are reacting to and more than more than likely it's because they didn't have the resources to actually show that um so you have a lot of situations where the camera's just fixed and and focused on a couple of central figures in the frame and they'll be like jay uh when people are walking by when he's loitering in front of the store i don't think there's any traffic or any people walking by he's just reacting to people that aren't there and it's you know it's it's an economical way of doing that if they would have spaced it out a little bit more it would have been more convincing but uh yeah there's nobody walking by (laughs) (laughs) yeah okay I'm going to read just a few. I'm actually not going to read the whole list, but I'm just going to highlight some of the better ones that he's saying in front of a mother and her child. Um, let's see here. All tit fucking. Uh, I need your cock. Uh, ass worshipping rim jobbers. 
I'm not gonna say that one. I'm not gonna say that. Uh, I'm not gonna say that one. Um, coming in a sock. Uh, come on, Eileen, which was my personal favorite. You should have said that to the to, oh, the, to the woman. That was, um. Oh, geez. Yeah. Blowjobs by Betsy. I'm not gonna say that one. Finger in my ass. Nope. That's it. I'm just gonna say those. It's wow. I, it, I don't remember it being that dirty. It, it's it's fast. Uh, it's it's pretty funny. Uh, and then well, and then at the end, uh, all holes filled with hard cock. And oh, what was the name of that movie? Happy Scrappy yeah. the Hero Puff. <laughs> yeah. He <laughs> yeah. It's pretty it, fun. It's it's fun because he's he's on the phone with the distributor, uh, so he's ordering tapes for the yeah. store. Um, so I guess the majority of their their uh, transactions are. <laughs> uh, more than likely evidenced by all the black like blank cases on the wall <laughs> he might have also just been doing it to mess with her he might not have actually been on the phone with anybody uh that that is a random move that, that is a random move. move that is a random move um, um oh man uh cat on the counter uh yeah <laughs> this, this, this was a fun this is a fun gag yeah, this is another uh, artifact, actually. Um, the payphone in the back of the store. Yes. Um, that I want to say they have like a key or something that the employees can use to make calls without paying. Although I wouldn't be surprised if they had to actually put change. In he it. puts a quarter in it. <laughs> so he has to pay a quarter to make a phone call from his own place of work. Yeah. That's wonderful. Um, but yeah, it's literally just like a like a uh, metallic payphone rigged on the wall that he uses to make calls. And uh, yeah, uh, he's calling about the newspaper article that um, actually that's a fun little detail that Randall is seen reading the paper in half of his scenes, which would make sense that he would see that article about uh, Caitlin being engaged to the uh, Asian design student. Um, (laughs) But uh, he's making this phone call. And meanwhile, uh, there's frequent cutbacks as he's asking like, is this legit? Like this article you printed, like it, it has to be a misprint. And he sounds like just a, I don't know. <laughs> he sounds like a child, like, honestly, but uh, we have these frequent cutbacks to a, uh, a guy trying to get help at the front counter and a, a cat shits in a box in front of him. Yeah. <laughs> and he, <laughs> uh, the timing on, on the editing is actually pretty good. It's pretty funny. It's, it works. Yeah. Um, and then I think we meet, um, uh, Silent Bob or Jay's cousin uh, outside with a lady, um, but we we cut to one of my favorite uh, lines by Jay. We cut to Jay saying, "I don't care. I don't care if she is my cousin. I'm gonna knock the boots again tonight." <laughs> it's really good timing. It's really funny. Um, what's the name of the cousin? I can't remember. Olaf, maybe or something. I think it's Olaf. Yeah. Um, so apparently Olaf is from some part of Russia. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what they say, and I. Uh, a woman comes up and Jay hypes up Olaf and says, "Oh, this guy sings the metal. <laughs> he came all the way from Russia to sing the metal." That's his metal <laughs> face. He does like a <laughs> he does like a big um, smile. And without having seen this movie, um, this was actually a part of this movie I was aware of. Um, oh, really? Back in I want to say late middle school, early high school, um, there were some friends of mine who would sing this song gotcha. because they thought it was the most hilarious thing in the world. It's really it's, not. <laughs> it's not, but when you're 13, it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, it takes some coaxing, but they get Olaf to uh, sing for this young woman, 
And uh, I believe the first verse of the song is, My love is, for you is like a truck berserker. <laughs> I is want to making fuck berserker. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty awful. Uh, yeah. It's actually it's one juvenile, of my least... juvenile, but yeah. it's cute. <laughs> it's one of my least favorite parts of the movie. Uh, like, going back, I'm like, oh, I have to do the berserker guy. <laughs> it comes it comes out of nowhere although um an actual like recorded version of the song does pop up later does it really um, yeah you have to really listen for it um there's a lot of dialogue happening on top of it so you probably can't hear it very clearly but i did notice it um but yeah uh, i did like that uh, veronica shows up at the store and i believe randall says to her look who it is the fucking human vacuum mm. <laughs> or I, maybe it was jay i forget exactly who said that it could have been either one of them um but we see uh dante helping a dude in the store pull his hand out of a tube of pringles yeah um that we've all been there it happens you know <laughs> sometimes you need a little help from your friends um, I did like the uh, cat moaning sound when uh, the guy falls out of frame and crashes into <laughs> some stuff. Because uh, anybody who's ever edited something in video form has been tempted to use the cat <laughs> noise when somebody falls down, just because it's funny. <laughs> um, yeah, is this where um, Randall Randall uh, is finishing up a movie and he leaves the the video store distraught? Uh, something along those lines. Um, my next note here is actually, uh, which do you like best, Empire or Jedi? Yeah, so he asks him, like, what do you like better, Empire or Jedi? And most of us, well, some of us, uh, <laughs> would probably <laughs> agree would agree with Dante that uh, Empire is the better film. And he doesn't, he doesn't, um... He doesn't really dispute that. He's just like, really, why? And he's like, well, it's because... Randall he- says blasphemy. Blast. Oh, does he? I didn't catch that. Yeah. I blasphemy. mean, he says it in his Randall way, so his voice blasphemy. never... Yeah, it's blasphemy. Um, <laughs> he uh, he has a... They have a whole joke in Clerks, too. I might have sent it to you about Lord of the Rings. And it, it was funny at the time. Now I don't think it's very funny. Uh, <laughs> take, I take offense to that. Um, <laughs> but he brought up an interesting point, and this is a hundred... This might be the reason he made this... Kevin Smith made this movie was for this line, like this this whole sequence right here. But uh, Don, uh, yeah, uh, Randall brings up, he's like, yeah, so the Death Star in episode four was complete, and it was just the Imperial troops, the uh, like all of them, and it gets blown up, which is fine. But the Death Star in, in Return of the Jedi wasn't even finished yet, and stormtroopers are not doing construction. Like, they had most likely contractors, independent contractors working on this thing. So when the rebellion ended up blowing up the uh, the Death Star while under construction, they killed a bunch of contractors. And I'm like, yeah, you're, I think you're right. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. Yeah, uh, this, was, this was a fascinating sequence because if you put it in its historical context, referential humor taken to this, to this extent, like an entire scene devoted to this, I don't think that, I don't think that was a thing really. No. It wasn't. Um, so the novelty factor of this at the time was probably extreme. Like, I mean, there were probably a lot of nerds out there who were like, wow, this movie speaks to me. You might have had somebody bring up like Breakfast at Tiffany's or like Barefoot in the Park and some kind of like 80s romantic drama or some shit, but not to this extent, no. It's usually just in passing. Like, yeah. It's just a name drop or something like that. But this is an entire scene where they take some, they take something like Star Wars and they build outward from it. Where. Uh, it's actually kind of clever um, in how it's written because 
Um, they don't really talk about too many of the details of either of those movies, um, but they take advantage of the fact that uh, we're trying to flesh out the characters still at this point. Maybe. Um, and the part of the reason why Dante selects Empire as his favorite is because of his state of mind at the time, where he make he makes reference to the downer ending, and it fits the character. Where regardless of what what the general opinion, like the consensus of the public, might be. In 1994, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people didn't think Empire was the best Star Wars. These days, these days the internet like wholeheartedly just decided that Empire is the best one, and any opinions otherwise are wrong. It's like, mm, you know, an opinion is is a very personal thing. But in the context of the movie, having Dante select that as his favorite Star Wars between those two fits the story. Like it just works. Um, but yeah, the the thing with the contractors was. That, that's you know it's it's amusing where it's it's just him taking it for a walk and like kind of spiraling like going down the rabbit hole with like the actual details of and the logistics of it and it's it's fun because we've all done that when we're bored maybe uh th- there was just somebody had an or maybe weinstein just had an eye for uh this critical analysis of pop culture because um in a different way, Tarantino kind of did that. Remember his little thing at the beginning of Reservoir Dogs when he's talking about like a virgin and he's like kind of breaking down Madonna's lyrics? I don't remember too much of something like that in Pulp Fiction, but there, there definitely is like um, that kind of dialogue in Pulp Fiction. Like, why can't people just shut up and like enjoy the silence together? You know, that, that weird shit. Maybe that was what it was. Well, it. Regardless of like the individual personalities like Tarantino or Kevin Smith, like just the the era itself, mm-hmm. like that we're talking about the first generation like raised on cable TV and videotapes, yeah. like actually having access to movies and repeat viewings. Yeah, this was revolutionary. This this is what gave way to this kind of sense of humor. It was like just the general public having the same level of familiarity with all these things to the extent that you can name drop something and they instantly have an entire book's worth of detail to go along with that name like how basically indiana jones what's the first one i gotta go back and rewatch those i might do that to the lost ark i might do that tonight um yeah about how like he does absolutely nothing in the movie like he doesn't like he doesn't affect the plot at all like the nazis basically shoot themselves in the foot and he just kind of watches like he doesn't really do anything yeah, but that doesn't change the fact that it's an immensely entertaining film. No, no, no. I'm just saying, like, that's where, like, after you've watched it a few times, somebody picked up, like, wait a minute, he doesn't even do anything in the movie. It's still, like, I'm not talking about his watchability or anything like that. Yeah, and somebody wrote a cracked article yeah. with that as the it, as a top ten list, and they had that as the number one, where it's like, did you know that you'll never believe how ineffectual Indiana Jones was? It, I don't, <laughs> I don't like the show, but that was one thing from uh, the Big Bang Theory where somebody mentions that to them, and they're all like super smart nerds, and they're like, blasphemy, absolutely not, and that, they don't touch it on it again until like the end credits where they're watching it and they finish it, and they're like, huh. Yeah, I guess he he really didn't do anything in the movie. Well, it didn't stop him from trying though, and that's yeah. what makes a hero is you try. But no, just, um, yeah. But no, I mean it's just the idea of like like using the Marvel Cinematic Universe as the best example without without the internet and without repeat viewings, I don't think it would be possible, honestly, to to have something that tightly constructed and leaning that heavily on the audience doing their homework in order to appreciate the product 
Um, but yeah, these guys were part of that first wave. So this was, you know, it was it was in the air. It was yeah. very dished. <laughs> very dished. Uh, yeah, so this, uh, this contractor ends up telling a story. Like, he's just overhearing their conversation. And uh, he just tells them a story about how he chose not to do a a job uh, because it was at a mobster's house and his buddy did it and then his buddy ended up getting killed because they had a hit on the guy uh the mobster uh, he, they were saying that politics don't play into contractors um that's what the argument is is politics don't play into contractors taking jobs and the contractor says absolutely it is but meanwhile jay is shotgunning zingers and powdered donuts in the back of the store while they're having this conversation yeah i caught that also i caught a yoohoo on the counter. oh yeah yeah and that made me want a fucking yoohoo <laughs> you know what dude i went back and tried one not too long ago does not hold up yeah oh no yeah it doesn't hold oh, up no. i'm sorry that makes me sad you was like a extra special treat back in the day maybe for you because you can't do dairy and that sucks <laughs> uh maybe it'd be better for you i can still drink chocolate milk so when i'm drinking you i'm like well this fucking sucks i just want chocolate milk now well i mean for me you is one of those things that it's like it's trash Mm. And, it, and it more than likely causes diabetes and in my case constipation and <laughs> diarrhea but hypertension fact matter, diabetes <laughs> fact of the matter is you could probably count on my hands and toes how many yuhus i've had in my life oh, so I just probably do that so too. just the novelty of it would probably mean something to me i used to occasionally uh, smoke pot before school and have a, a little debbie cherry pie and a yuhu but I, I think yeah maybe i think i've had maybe 10 yuhu my whole life yeah, we're we're probably on the same level then. Yeah, it's not one you want. To, you don't buy that in bulk. <laughs> that's no, 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 no. That that's that's like an extra special trashy treat where it's like, hmm, I have some pocket change. You who me. We also when we uh, we end up cutting over to uh, to Randall working in the video store and he's being a dick to a customer and I like what's happening in this shot. He's sitting on the counter with his back kind of to the camera. You can see he's looking at a magazine. And a customer's asking for his advice. But you can see Jay and Silent Bob, and they're totally smoking weed outside, uh, <laughs> which is kind of funny. I wish they had... It happens more uh, in the ISK universe, where Jay and Silent Bob are kind of fixtures outside the store doing their own stuff. Uh, but this was nice. This was a nice little subtle bit. Yeah, no, it, it's it's cute. There, there's that part where um, he kicks the lady out of his store, and as as soon as she comes out the door, you just hear Jay go, "Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> you get her." <laughs> oh, no, he, yeah, because uh, she like she's he's not taking the bait. She's trying to uh, to mess with him, and he's like, "She's like, I'm never coming back to the store." And then he opens up the door. You can never come back here. And Jay goes, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, it's his store, too, in some capacity. This is how Randall comes into frame because uh, he goes back. He locks the door to go back over to the quick stop. And Dante's just kind of like, he's fixated on something happening in the store. He's just kind of back there looking. And Dante just, or uh, Randall just kind of comes into frame. And they're both just sitting there, just at different uh, different viewpoints. Um, That's what I meant was that that scene. Yeah. so I, I don't want to go into too much detail here because I don't think it's worth it. But we have a exchange here where Randall comes in because he wants to like, you know, he wants to vent. Basically, he's yeah. bored and his store is empty. So he wants to come and bother Dante next door. And uh, Dante's staring straight ahead. Um, and he points out to Randall. It's like, shut up. I'm watching this. <laughs> and there's a man sitting on the floor uh, inspecting some eggs. Um and it's explained to us by a woman in a blazer who comes in that uh, 
she suspects he's likely a guidance counselor and he's suffering from something that they call shell shock um and she she basically says um as an explanation if your job was as meaningless as theirs you'd go crazy too and this was another cultural artifact i want to say because guidance counselors are something that i've only ever seen in film oh really um, movies and television i w- they were thrown at me constantly even, I, there's even a fucking batman villain that's a guidance counselor but for me personally I have never sat down with a guidance counselor. I myself and my partner have. Um, my guidance counselor, much like uh, Randall's, was pretty useless. Um, her, my partners told her that she wasn't going to make it in college because she was Latina. She had, Whoa! Yeah. Whoa! Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so, in our ex- that's, that's even worse than meaningless. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> She told me that, and I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> that happened. Wow. <laughs> that happened in the aughts? Like, that happened. Like, wow. Okay. Uh, yeah. She, I was like, yeah, guidance counselors are pretty useless if you're a guidance counselor out there. You stop listening to this and get back to work. You're trying to shape America's minds here. Uh, you're not doing a good job if you're listening to me. Okay, so you can corroborate that. That's <laughs> like, yes, this is a thing that, that exists in the world. Yes, they do exist. <laughs> uh, yeah, the egg guy is kind of useless. The like he's just back there. It it's just like annoying customers kind of thing. I want to um, say it's a combination of that and maybe Kevin Smith giving like sticking it to guidance counselors because yeah. remember this is a guy yeah. who dropped out of film school and was working at the store they filmed at. Yeah. Um, I'm sure he had conversations with guidance counselors that didn't go well. I do like how this lady leaves the scene. She's like, yeah, that's why I masturbate. Uh, <laughs> I masturbate animals in a facility for a living. <laughs> she just walks away. I'm like. Um, Randall, if you were ever going to find a partner, I think you should try to court her because she's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, you you give him a light push and you say, "Go to her, go to <laughs> go to her." She just bought two pack. She bought two packs of smokes too. I'm like, I think she's pretty cool, dude. Well, and I like that they the part of the punchline there is the fact that she's dressed very nicely yeah. actually compared yeah. to most of the other clientele. So it's like you would think that she's like a like a lawyer or a doctor or something he's like oh she jerks off animals in cages cool <laughs> most of the guys that work there or most of the guys that come in there look like they're borderline homeless uh, the way they're dressed there's a lot of there's a lot of plaid <laughs> um but next chapter heading is uh pur- purgation or purgation um yeah. and we get some uppity bongo music that's i think the only instance on the score but uh randall uh is doing his thing where he's like reading a magazine or reading the paper and he's facing he's not even looking out towards the public and uh, he accepts some money on the counter and just like absentmindedly hands some cigarettes down from the ceiling off to whoever it is that's buying them and it turns out to be a very little girl yeah um and we have a little discussion some more coffee talk this entire movie is coffee talk by the way of uh randall talking about uh the person who mops up at a nudie booth um and what it must be to be that person um and then a customer comes in he gets mad at them because they're talking about filthy shit like nudie booths and and uh people wiping up cum and whatnot and uh randall scares him off by just like taking the porno mag that by the way he was just casually rooting through and like flipping the centerfold out in the guy's face not playboy hustler no we're hustler great i think the name of the magazine was high schoolers (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, you you got to be careful with that. You know, hustler might take offense. 
and uh, come a calling. But yeah, yeah, he scares the guy off. And uh, Randall tries to tell Dante that he needs to be more rude. He needs to purge, basically, uh, because he he's too uptight. Like he has he has a lot of angst. He needs to get it out somehow. And uh, this is where we have some uh, cutaway gags. And this was actually kind of interesting because from a logistical standpoint, you know, this requires you know, filming additional scenes with additional actors. So this is something that you have to jump through a little bit of hoops to, to get done. And this is like the equivalent of like a family guy gag or like a or Simpsons mm. or, a, or a, the critic cutaway gag where uh, Dante tries to retort that's like, oh, you know, I, I do have people that piss me off and I do get angry at them. I get mad at the milkmaids, as he calls them, which are basically old ladies that come in the store and do the same thing like with the eggs, but with milk. Like inspecting all the milk and whatnot. I'm always self-conscious of buying milk because of this movie. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Stuck with you. Huh? Yeah. I'm like, don't check every single one. Just find the one that's a reasonable date and grab it. Don't check every single one. Yeah, I, I think that's how it should be. But you know, who knows? Uh, I read that this this uh, person is uh, Kevin Smith's mother, the milkmaid. Oh, I. I could see that. Yeah. Um, that's cute. Yeah, like right. That. But um, Randall replies in kind with his own cutaway gag in the form of uh, dumb customers. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's a brief montage of dumb customers talking direct to camera. Um, it, f- it fits. It works. Mm-hmm. And uh, meanwhile, Dante is still fixated on Caitlin. Um, but... Ronnie shows up, Veronica. She shows up with a lasagna. Lasagna. Yeah. She and I was like, up. marry this woman. Yes. <laughs> like, Jesus. Yeah. What's stopping you? <laughs> a baked ziti, a lasagna, chicken parm, uh, even a good spaghetti and meatballs if she's got garlic bread. Yeah, that's all put a ring on it. Pasta at work? Yes. Yes. Pa- pasta in tinfoil? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, she says hello to Randall, and he's he just yells from off frame, 37! That's <laughs> <laughs> pretty good. Um, uh, but she's off to school, and she says she'll be back by closing. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then we find, uh, now it's getting a time for Randall to get, uh, Dante to get out of there. And uh, he has a phone call trying to call his boss, and he ends up, uh, I guess, speaking to the wife. He's like, uh, apparently he's uh, gone to Vermont, and he's not going to be back until Tuesday. And He's pretty upset about this, and uh, he even apologized. Like he gets kind of mad on the phone. He apologizes to the wife, and uh, Randall, of course, has to has to instigate. He's like, well, what, what was that all about? He's like, he's not coming back. And why'd you apologize? You have every right to be upset. He's like, you know what? You're just a bitch, dude. You you just take everything, man. You don't you don't stand up for yourself or nothing. Um, but they want to still play hockey, and uh, Dante gets the idea. Like, hey, you feeling limber? Like, yeah, why not? They're going to fucking play hockey on the roof, which seems crazy dangerous. Oh, yeah. Even even just filming this, you can tell that they had to be very careful. Yeah. Because um, it's not a very spacious roof. Half of these guys are wearing rollerblades. Um, and you'll notice that there's certain angles of the roof they just didn't shoot, yeah. more than likely, because they were in danger of falling off. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, you can tell that this was... Maybe a little scary to be up there with this, this many bodies. Um, but yeah, I, I like the guy who was asking for the Gatorade. Like he, Something about his delivery felt yeah. very naturalistic. I, I really liked him. but And I like that like 
Dante says, no, no, like we, we're still running a store here. And like, if you ask for a Gatorade, then everybody's going to want a Gatorade. And then, then it's chaos. And like, bef- like the guy kind of takes off in a huff, but before he skates away, he's like, he's like, I'm not the guy who's living in denial and suppressing rage, motherfucker. And he just kind of like <laughs> steps out of the fr- It's like, hang on, are you psychic? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, how do you know everything that Randall knows? It's pretty, yeah. It, this guy was funny too. I didn't note him. Um, no, I liked him. He was yeah. funny. Uh, they um, end up, oh, go ahead. Oh, the customer who climbs up. Yeah. His dialogue is priceless. It's it's some of the best. Because this guy, he climbs up on the roof. He sees them all playing hockey. And uh, he does the thing where he's, like, got his hands on the roof. So he's still technically standing on the ladder. So he's just a head with two shoulders in the it, frame. It's important to note that there's a sign on the door that says, uh, closed, be back after first period. Okay. Yeah. So Dante's still trying to be responsible, yeah. I guess. Um, but <laughs> Dante says, go fuck yourself. Like, I'm going to go finish this period and whatnot. And he skates off, and the guy just sticks his arm out and says, oh, look at you. You can't even pass. <laughs> and then my favorite, though, was, don't pass to this guy. He sucks. <laughs> he sucks. You suck. <laughs> it reminded me so much of Happy Go. Yeah, yeah. Jackass. Yeah, jackass. <laughs> you yeah. will not make this putt, you jackass. <laughs> And uh, Dante tries to call his bluff. He's like, well, come up here, bitch. Come on up here and play. The guy doesn't have skates. I feel like that's cheating. Um, but they engage in field hockey. And uh, he ends up knocking him down, which is not. I, I, I kind of like that shot. He just gets knocked down by the jock kind of thing. And uh, this guy just fucking launches the ball off of the roof. <laughs> just ended like nowhere. And <laughs> this is where we get the tall guy again. Uh, he's like, oh, that sucks. Uh, where's another ball? He's like, I only brought one ball. He's like, what? He's like, yeah, I brought the orange ball. And <laughs> that comes in. <laughs> oh, and then the scene ends with him yeah. asking, do I still get my Gatorade? <laughs> and then uh, next title slide is Harbinger. And the scene opens with Dante trying to fix a fluorescent bulb. Uh, and a heavy set elderly Jewish man approaches him and tells him a just non sequitur story about somebody who like worked in a circus and died of a heart attack it has nothing to do with anything it's a, uh what is the uh, what's the coen brothers movie um a serious man a serious man it's a it's, real serious it's the, m- yeah. it's the goy's teeth it's yeah. like what what was i supposed to get out of that it's like well i told yeah. you a story didn't i <laughs> 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 like, but yeah. um so this man i love his pronunciation he asked to use the turlet, <laughs> the turlet, yeah. the turlet um, due to the incontinence. And uh, he, we have this gag where he keeps stepping out of frame and coming back to yeah. ask for more things if you give a mouse a cookie and whatnot. And uh, he wants the high-quality toilet paper, and he's, he's very polite, but he's also very demanding. Yeah. And I think we've all been, been there before where there's an yeah. elderly person who's pushing it a little bit. But, yeah. Uh, he also demands reading material, though. Uh, he wants the good porno magazines, <laughs> the ones with the cartoons with with the big titties. With the no, the one in the back with the better titties. They've the got bigger, bigger titties. titties in there. <laughs> got, they got down. better. They got bigger titties in there. It was really funny. Look, I don't know why he reminded me of Francis Ford Coppola. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's an actor who I had in mind, um, and I actually thought it was him for a second. I don't know the guy's name, but I've seen him in many movies that he generally plays this kind of character um i i'll have to get back to you on who i'm thinking of but i thought it was him for a second but no not in this movie 
Um, but yeah, he leaves with his uh, high quality toilet paper and porn magazine. Um, then we're back to Randall and Dante talking, and uh, this is where uh, we learn that uh, someone named Joey Doyer died of a brain aneurysm doing a backstroke in a pool. And apparently, yeah. this is someone that Dante had slept with, uh, so one of his 12. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he wants to go to her wake. And uh, I love that there, there's a, a quick little exchange here at the end of this conversation where uh, Randall wants to come too. And Dante reminds him, you hate people. And he says, but I love, I love gatherings. gatherings. Yeah. <laughs> Ironic, isn't it? <laughs> I hate people, but I love gatherings. Yeah. I, I, I remember that was one of the lines that I remember most from this film when I first watched it. I was like, yeah, but I love gatherings. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> no, it, it, it fits the character really well. And I feel like that's, that's a line that would probably resonate with you. <laughs> um, but uh, long story short, we do decide to go to this uh, wake and we get some backseat cinematography. Um, so this is more than likely Kevin Smith sitting in the backseat of a car. And uh, the we do this two or three times in this movie where we're constantly whipping back and forth. We're yeah. panning back and forth between each person as they say their line. Um, and this, I think, speaks to the general production quality and the structure of the script. Where one thing that you'll notice in this movie that's early on for me anyway was kind of difficult to get around was there's a lot of waiting that happens in the dialogue where it has a rhythm to it that feels like kind of like an amateurish stage play rather than a movie. Um, and it just it has something to do with the, the way the dialogue's written, where it, it there's something that doesn't sound quite natural about it, and then the rhythm of it on top of it. It's not that we're waiting for the camera to get where it needs to be, because most of this movie, the camera's stationary. Mm-hmm. It's more like the actors are kind of like waiting for each other to say to say the line exactly as it was written or something. Um, I didn't notice it in like the second half of the movie. Maybe I just eased into it, but early on it was kind of tripping me up. But yeah, every time someone says a line, the camera whips back and forth to show, to put that person speaking in center frame. Um, and Randall shares the story in the car about his cousin trying to suck his own dick. Yeah. And uh, how did he die? He broke <laughs> his neck trying to suck his own dick. <laughs> Jesus yeah. Christ. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Uh, so he died trying to suck his own dick, and uh, fortunately, he did die. He did get down there. He no. did get. He did get to the objective. He just died in doing so. Um, and died uh, with Dante, his balls on his chin. Yeah. Yeah. Dante admits to trying it as well, but he said, "I couldn't. I couldn't get there." And uh, Randall, <laughs> Randall throws it in his face. Is like, "Hang on, what?" It's like I'm not a pervert like you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Randall. I think he kind of set him up for it. He's like, everybody's tried it. He's like, okay, fine, I did try, but I didn't get there. He's like, pervert. Like, <laughs> I never he's tried. Like, it. <laughs> he's like, I never tried. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's fun banter, but uh, so we arrive at the funeral parlor, and uh, we have a fun bit where we're standing outside, like on the sidewalk, and Dante laments leaving the store. Then we have another cut back to the store, and it looks like something out of a George Romero movie, specifically Night of the Living Dead, uh, where there's a bunch of patrons banging on the door, and the punchline comes in the form of Randall saying before that that, oh, you know, no, like people don't even come to the store. What are you talking about? And it's like there's a whole crowd in the form of like five people because we have $25,000 to work with <laughs> banging on the glass. Um, then we have a Sp- SpongeBob SquarePants gag where a, a title card says five minutes later and then cut to Dante and Randall running out of the, the funeral parlor where some uh, pop punk kind of music 
starts playing and we, mm-hmm. we run to the car and we, we take off and people uh, do the shake harder boy <laughs> on the street, like shaking their fists in anger as they drive off. And then we get an on-screen title card again. Uh, perspicacity. I actually don't know what that word means. I'd have to look that up. Um, in fact, I'm going to do that while I'm talking. But uh, we're back at the store. And Dante uh, reveals to us, um, so this is him talking about after the fact, uh, that the reason why everybody was pissed at them after those five minutes was because Randall somehow flipped the casket at the wake. Um, And I could not fucking stop laughing at the scene, Kyle. I don't know what it is. I think it's just me because I, I don't. I don't know if this is a noteworthy moment in cinema history, but I was just rolling on the floor laughing. I had to walk away from the screen, and I played this back three times because I just thought it was so fucking funny. So basically, Dante and Randall are going at it, and they're stand. It's nighttime now, and they're standing in front of the quick stop, and Dante's like fumbling with his keys, and he tells Randall, "Just, just go open the video store," and you hear Jay. From off camera, you just hear him kind of low on the audio track, so like, yeah, go open the video store. And then Randall just kind of like looks off camera, and he's like, he's like, shut up, junkie. And then like the timing, it's just like, beat, beat, beat. And then Jay darts in from the right side of the frame, lifts his one leg up, like lifts his one knee up, and just farts on Randall. <laughs> just- it is. It is a good beat. It is good timing. <laughs> the timing is terrible, but it works. But he he just farts on him ever so casually. There, no words exchanged. I he had, just runs up and farts on him. <laughs> <laughs> I had a similar reaction because it's not really a funny scene. It's just good timing. When uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Val Kilmer in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang uh, end up getting... Uh, there's a guard and he ends up hitting... Robert Downey Jr. in the nose, and then they end up getting the guns back. And as soon as they get him, like, get down on your knees, and Robert, like, like they've just changed the camera angle, and Robert Downey Jr. just comes up, and, like, the way he pistol whips this guy in the face, <laughs> it's just perfect timing. And he's like, doesn't that suck? I just hit you for no reason. Uh, I had one of those moments, too, where I had to pause. I'm like, God damn it, that was, that was perfect. I mean, comedy's weird like that. Oh, mm-hmm. it's like, you never know what's going to hit you, but just... It just does. Um, this is the end. There's a moment, I think I've told you about this, where they have to strike the match and see who has to go outside to get water. Whoever has the burnt match has to go outside, and it's super scary. And it's a really like it's a really tense moment in the movie where each one, and Jonah Hill's character had just been raped by a demon the night before, so he was like really distracted. So much so that they're all standing in a circle, and he's looking over his shoulder, like looking away. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, here, you, you check yours, and he just looks at it, and he just tosses it down, and just immediately starts looking back. I almost had to leave the theater. I was cr- like, I, <laughs> like, wow, I was dying. Yeah. It gives him just the timing of it. He just looks at it like, I don't give a fuck about this. <laughs> like, this this wow. doesn't even matter to me anymore. You almost rearranged your organs, like you had hiccups for two years or something. <laughs> it, it really hurt. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Might have hit the vape pin before I went in, but that doesn't matter. Okay. Well, I also remember having a similar reaction where I had to keep rewinding it to uh, Mouse Hunt when they blow up the mouse bomb at the end. Oh, I, don't remember, I don't remember that movie at all. I'd have to go back. I, I really like that movie, Kyle. I might make you watch that. Um, Gore Verbinski makes the most beautiful films. Um, gotcha. The set 
Holy shit. And Christopher Walken's in it, and he's great. I don't remember a minute of that movie. And Nathan Lane, man. I know I you like Nathan, Nathan Lane. Lane. Yeah, one yeah. of my favorite movies is The Birdcage. I might watch that today. Fuck. <laughs> Raiders followed by The Birdcage. <laughs> dude, that is a great... No, I'll start with The Birdcage, get to Raiders. Um, And then the other one was The Great Outdoors, I think, where they shoot the hair off the, do- uh, the bear. I haven't uh, seen... Yeah, they shoot the hair off the bear. I think they either blow his ass off or they blow the top of... So the the gag with the bear in that movie is that he's missing the top of his head, his head, like uh-huh. the hair on the top of his head is missing. So he's a bald bear. <laughs> and if, if I remember right, they shoot him in the ass at the end, and the hair blows off his head. <laughs> 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 and it's great. <laughs> I remember rewinding that tape at my friend's house <laughs> over and over again. Mm. Uh. Oh, <laughs> mm. I almost killed my mom and I. We were going to St. Louis airport I was talking about another moment where I almost had to leave the theater where a five year engagement uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the film but Jason Siegel ends up they moved from San Francisco to Michigan and he was like a big hotshot chef but his partner is going to school and he ends up like not being able to find a good job and he just kind of downward spirals a little bit and he's drinking a lot and he's hunting and he's making mead and her sister and her uh, and her husband come to visit them, and he's like full on Grizzly Adams, and he has these steins that he's uh, assembled out of deer hooves, and he has a big like I'm talking like lemonade jar full of mead, uh, honey wine, and the it, what's holding it up are four hooves, <laughs> like four deer hooves, and I don't know what it was about that scene. I could not stop laughing. I was trying to tell my mom about it. And I started crying laughing again, which made her laugh. And she's driving. Like, oh, no. <laughs> we're on, like, the freeway, like, trying to trying to get through this. It was it was pretty painful. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but moving us along here. So Jay, <laughs> Jay farts on Randall. And uh, the icing on the cake of this scene. And, oh, by the way, another thing about the, the editing and the way this film was shot. A lot of really long takes. Uh, so in a lot of ways, this is almost shot like a play, uh, to be honest, where it's a lot of very long takes, a lot of long stretches of dialogue. Um, so good, good on the actors for being up to the task because this is this is not easy. Um, but the icing on the cake in the scene is after he farts on him, Randall kind of takes off, and then uh, I think Dante accuses Jay of being a drug dealer. And he says, oh, I'm not dealing, man. And then somebody walks up and he's like, hey, what do you got for me? And he's like, yeah, I got what you need. I got man. what you need, man. It's a good yeah. <laughs> and then end scene. And actually, that's that's the flow of this movie. Mm-hmm. The scenes are just like in and out. Like we, we don't linger. We just get out. It's a different time, Trevor. Different time. No, it, it's actually skillful. Like mm-hmm. you, you got you to gotta know like it's like that uh, Seinfeld episode where George takes he, he leaves when he's on top. Where mm-hmm. He's like. I said the funniest thing I'm gonna say today. I'm out. <laughs> like you got it. You got to quit while you're ahead, and that's what this movie does, like consistently from scene to scene. Um. Yeah. So, r- I, did Randall already spit the drink on the customer's face before? Uh, that that happens right here, actually. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. What is the what is the customer even bitching about? Uh, they're not even bitching. So Dante is kind of being a tool. This is where he has this whole diatribe about like working at the quick stop and how it's important to like remember that you you work for your employer i guess 
So he's kind of backpedaling on everything that he just did, where it's like, you know, you just like left the store vacant like twice in the same day. <laughs> um, you're a little bit of a hypocrite. But um, this is where I noted that the cigarettes cost $3. Um, what do they cost nowadays, Kyle? About 5 Okay. Um, that Damn, $5 a pack? Shit. Like, that's rough. Uh, so the reason why uh, Randall spits on this guy is because this guy won't shut up about the tabloids so mm. he just opens a random tabloid seemingly with no intention of buying it he just puts it on the counter and starts reading the the highlights of it and he's just trying to strike up conversation i guess and randall's not having it so he he's taking a swig at something and he ends up spitting on the customer um and dante kind of bails him out and says like oh no like I, he, he he meant to spit on me and, <laughs> and uh, he refunds the customer's money and whatnot and uh, this is where we start the repetition of the phrase, uh, title does not dictate behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is like a philosophical difference between Dante and Randall at this point in the story, where Dante believes that the contrary, I guess, uh, whereas Randall's opposed to it. Um, anyway, uh, Dante gives Randall his keys uh, so he, uh, to his car, by the way, uh, so he can go rent some movies at the big stop video yeah. which is kind of funny when you think about it. it's like you work at a video store it's like but they have they have better movies yeah. <laughs> they have they have all the movies um we have our next title card paradigm and uh this is where we get that uh small town politics stuff that yeah. i was talking about this scene i could have done without uh it's i don't know there was nothing really nothing that really adds to the movie in this scene in my opinion it's like some kind of jock dude who's i guess he's a trainer i guess he's got like a better job i suppose um and they just kind of talk about they just kind of talk about him to his face a little bit um i don't know i didn't really get much out of this this scene i mean that's the whole story of the movie is kind of dante coming to grips with all the things he's keenly aware of but just kind of like suppressing yeah so like you said they're they're kind of like talking talking to Don they're like kind of speaking the things that Dante himself is already aware of and um I also want to say that this is probably there because uh this is maybe drawing from Kevin Smith's life experience um especially the repetition of uh the trainer guy insulting uh Dante's body Mm -hmm. because Kevin Smith at a certain point in time not quite here but a little bit later would be a very heavy guy yeah um and it stands to reason that, you know, working at a convenience store in fucking Jersey, he probably got hassled a time, like at least once maybe about, about his, his shapeliness. But, yeah. um, anyway, it's a guy and a gal that apparently know Dante from like high school. Um, and they also know Caitlin and the guy like talks about how he used to sleep with Caitlin while Dante was with her. So that, that hurts. Um, and, uh, also, another character enters the room, and uh, he's asking all sorts of questions in between in between all these dialogue exchanges about, like, Dante, were you working here at this time, on this day, blah, blah, blah. And uh, uh, long story short, the guy gives Dante a $500 fine for having sold cigarettes to a minor. Yeah. <laughs> um, which we saw Randall, of course, did, not Dante. Um, but... This uh, this guy, whoever this guy is, uh, he flubs his lines a little bit. Um, he, <laughs> he he like starts a sentence and then just kind of like has a mini stroke or something <laughs> and then picks it up. <laughs> like he's like this uh, summons. <laughs> it's, like, it's like oh wow, uh, you kept that in the movie. Cool. Um, uh, 
I was just saying, there, uh, where I lived in Seattle, it was on Aurora, and there was um, a convenience store in Aurora right by the gym. And I would go in there to get like a Gatorade uh, sometimes, or if we were going to be like hanging out at the, the house, we, I would just grab beer there and walk home with it. There's a guy that owned the store. He was some kind of Eastern Bloc European, and uh, the guy that worked there was, uh, he had like a comfy chair in the back, and he was a, like a metalhead, but not an upbeat metalhead. He had like the the beard. He was always he smoked uh, cigars, like little cigars, but he'd inhale. I'm like, oh, he's gonna have a hole in his throat one day. Um, but he was just not a chipper guy. I never saw him in a good mood. We'd have like small exchanges here and there, but he ended up getting a ticket. He ended up confiding in me one day that he accidentally sold somebody underage, and I guess he got one of those big tickets. And that'll put a big like in that kind of salary. Yeah, that'll put a big big dent in your next month oh yeah i'm sure and five hundred dollars in 1994 that's not chump change man no yeah um but yeah uh as they're leaving uh this uh trainer guy uh picks up the gal he's with who by the way apparently knows caitlin somehow but yeah. um caitlin gets introduced to us in the form of a voice from off screen mm-hmm and it ends the scene, and it's it's really weird. <laughs> where it's like, did we not have her that day or something? But yeah, we hear Caitlin's voice from off screen, like presumably walking into the store as Dante's like still working, and he goes, "Caitlin," and then end scene. We cut to big stop video, and this was the part that Kyle was uh, talking about earlier. That uh, Randall walks through there, and there's this big swelling of romantic music as he mm-hmm. goes down on his knees in the presence of stacks upon stacks of VHS tapes. Um, it's it's a cute little scene. It speaks to you know Kevin Smith's uh, cinemaphile status, I guess. And also Randall's priorities in life. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> Renting videotapes is yeah. the most important thing in this man's life. Yeah. Um, anyway, we cut back to uh, Caitlin and Dante, and they embrace. Uh, Silent Bob steps into frame, so the director decided I need to be in this movie more. <laughs> um, and uh, he buys some milk and just kind of takes off without a word. Yeah. Um, and uh, he is one to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for real. Um, uh, Dante is like congratulating Caitlin on her engagement, and we notice that she like rolls her eyes very heavily at the mention of this. And uh, we cut back and forth between this this exchange between Dante and Caitlin and uh, Jay dancing under a streetlight and yeah. he's got some moves like yeah. like i feel like his moves got better later they did on get in. much better yes yeah he's kind of like subdued here he's not quite busting it out but yeah he's, he's got some moves in 1994 i might just continue with the isk universe I, now that i keep talking about jay i'm like now nah, i want to watch i want to go back and watch dogma and mall rats like those are next i think mall rats is next yeah yeah you should do that yeah because it it is cozy it, it's like it, it's like a warm blanket. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Jay is dancing on the streetlight, and Silent Bob's just kind of standing there. It needs to be said, this is, like, the most uh, creative lighting in the film in that there is lighting. Um, the Most of it, most of the movie's pretty flat for the most part, but they made good use of, like, this streetlight or, like, outdoor lighting in the evening because this is a black-and-white film, and they, they make pretty good use of the shadows here. Um, but we learned from Caitlin that she would... She was thinking about the engagement, and this was actually the dialogue scene that I thought was the most impressive um, in terms of like its its breadth, because this is a very long scene. It's it all is. done in one shot. 
And this is my problem with Kevin Smith movies. Uh, this was my problem with Chasing Amy, is that you kind of have a fun drama kind of going on, like a fun story, but it just dead stops a couple of times in that movie for a five to eight minute long scene where it's just Joey Lauren Adams screaming at the top of her lungs. And this this is where I was like, okay, now I'm, I'm going to kind of just zone out of this, basically, because I know what's coming. I mean that's the that's the dark side of coffee talk is that it can come across as indulgent mm-hmm. and this is very much that a lot a lot of the dialogue in this movie in fact uh when uh Dante is laying down with Veronica doing her nails that whole talk they go all over the place yeah they talk about like men are this and women are this and uh, yada 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 I'm real well, tired today <laughs> it, gets, it it gets dated really quick like it just like at this point nobody's having this conversation anymore so it's just kind of etched in time and it's hard to go back and listen to it that's the thing well and also first time filmmaker yeah, again sure. like have, having made films in college and stuff and having penned scripts in college and, and made stuff with my roommates and whatnot like you you have an inflated ego like you you it's everything in your head sounds more interesting than it actually is yeah um, and in 1994, like, yes, actually, there was some novelty to having these kinds of conversations. But at the same time, you had, like, filmmakers like Woody Allen doing, like, relationship dramas and stuff that covered this territory, like, already. Yeah. <laughs> so so it's not new, but it's somebody's first at bat, and they're going to they're gonna get it all out. <laughs> like, like, every thought I've ever had about men and women and how they relate to each other is going to be in this fucking movie. Because I paid for it, goddammit. <laughs> um, but yeah, she's uh, she's not she's not thrilled about the engagement. In fact, she said the way it went down was uh, she was given a ring, and her response was, "I'll think about it." But then her mom caught wind of it, and she was the one that published the newspaper article about it. Um, and uh, we, this is where we have another callback to the shoe polish smell, where Caitlin and Dante are standing in close quarters, and she's like, "What smells like shoe polish?" <laughs> but yeah. Um, Caitlin has a whole big thing about her being a strong, independent woman. She is not ready to marry anyone at this point in her life. She wants to get done with her schooling and, you know, get a career and whatnot. Um, and Dante is, like, strongly rallying to get them back together. And uh, she's, like, throwing herself at him. Uh, but he's kind of pushing back a little bit despite his enthusiasm. He, like, he backpedals a little bit. Uh, she, wants mostly to, be- she wants to bang. He wants to date. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but she does come clean and she says that like I came all the way from Ohio to see you so make something of it or or not mm. <laughs> and of course being as he's a dude and he's you know 22 or whatever yeah he, he's like sure we can go on a date <laughs> um, but uh, cut back to Jay dancing and Silent Bob finally joins in and Kevin Smith's got some moves too yeah 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 like he's uh, a little stiff, but he's got some moves. <laughs> uh, yeah, Randall. Uh, Randall returns from the uh, from the store. He rented porn, obviously. Um, Best of both worlds. Yeah, I'm not gonna get into it, but yeah, he he rents porn. Um, what would probably be pretty niche at the time. Um, you can probably find a lot easier now with the uh, the internet. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, we get the I eat cock sign, which is a gag that comes up in uh, Clerks too. Uh, That's the scene where the Berserker song plays in Ernst, where it actually has music backing it. I'm going to have to listen to that. Um, It's funny. So he he does recycle this joke uh, in Clerks, and he does uh, Dante 
does uh, there's an employee that works at the store and they pick on, he picks on him constantly. So he comes in the store and his manager is uh, employee of the month sign uh, has the sign that says I eat cock and he's like, well, at least you spelled cock right this time. <laughs> it's the same <laughs> joke, but it's just a little twist on it, which is pretty good. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, and then we get the uh, I have um, whimsy is the next like title card, but I don't have any notes for that because then it just goes whimsy blank and then quandary. I. Uh, it's very brief. Uh, so all that happens in the whimsy chapter is Caitlin shows up uh, a little bit later, I guess. And uh, Randall is in, in place of Dante. So I guess Dante went home to change his clothes oh, to yes, put yes. on his, his Cosby sweater. Um, so yeah, we don't talk about him anymore, but no. I'm still going to call it a Cosby sweater. Um, <clears throat> so Randall is watching his porn. So he's facing away from Caitlin during this whole exchange. But uh, she's wearing a weird outfit. It's very it 90s. 90s. It was a very it's 90s outfit. Very 90s outfit. So she's wearing uh, overalls with a dotted tie, like a, not a quite polka dot tie, but it's a black tie with white dots on it. Mm-hmm. She looks like she works at TGI Fridays. Um, <clears throat> looks like she just came from the set of Blossom. Very much so. Just she needs a hat, and there she is, probably left her hat in the car or something. <laughs> there is a line that's funny in here that it, it's a running gag too. Is a bunch of savages in this town. Uh, like Dante when he's getting there he's like, a bunch of savages in this town and Randall gets into the store he's like what happened like somebody put gum in the locks a bunch of savages in this town <laughs> it comes up a few times but it comes up here again yeah um Randall tells her casually that he'll kill her if she hurts Dante again yeah. so it, it just speaks to the kind of relationship he has with Dante where it's like yeah he's a dick to him but he does you know he's he his buddy him. he, he yeah. loves him um and uh she heads to the turlet <laughs> Notice that I call it the turlet. The turlet. <laughs> um, and the next chapter, Quandry, kind of speaks to uh, there's a situation in the turlet. Uh, so Dante shows up uh, while she's in the turlet, and uh, he arrives in his sweater. And uh, Caitlin shows up a couple seconds later, and she is, she's got the vapors. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I, at first I, for, I, I completely forgot about this uh, part of the movie. So this was actually a surprise for me because I like I do not remember this at all. And I think it's because when I watched this most recently, it was an, a, an edited version for TV. And I'm just like, I don't know what's going on. So um, she comes out of the bathroom, yeah, post-coital. But I'm like, did she just jerk off in there or something? <laughs> I'm like, in the quick stop bathroom? I wouldn't do that. No, I mean, that's not ladylike behavior. Jeez. <laughs> like, no. um, but yeah, she's got her tie off and she is glowing. She is glistening. Oh. <laughs> um, so she walks in the room and she like backs up. She presents backward to Dante and he hugs her and whatnot. And uh, she goes on and on about how great Dante was. And Randall's like, what? And Dante's <laughs> like, what? And uh, as it so happens... Uh, Dante wasn't in the bathroom, so he has to like tell her, convince her that it's like I I wasn't in the bathroom, woman. Like I know the lights were off and you got turned on, and like you love the fact that I didn't do anything. You just let, I just let you have at it. I like I want to take credit for that, but I wasn't there. Cut to a close up of the old Jewish man on the on a gurney, dead. Oh, Randall has the best lines. Like, you fucked a stranger? <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah, it's uh, pretty great. Um, um, yeah. yeah. So she's in, like, shock, basically. Uh, she just had sex with a dead guy. I feel like Randall would have been eating this up a bit more. But, 
yeah, this is pretty funny. I like this the exchange they have with this late the coroner or whoever she is. Uh, I like her. I don't know. Her timing is really funny in here. Um, she's like, "Is that shoe polish?" And he's like, "Yeah, it's me." Um, and he's like, "Is this?" Uh, I think Randall or Dante's like, "Is this the most messed up thing you've ever seen?" She's like, "Um, some guy broke. I know most the most messed up thing I ever saw was a guy who broke his neck trying to suck his own dick." <laughs> Yeah, it's a nice callback to to two different running gags in the movie. Well, she's like, what, I don't know what what the exchange is. She's like, what kind of convenience store is this? Like, what kind of people are working here? Uh, yeah. Oh, it's Dante says he explains why Caitlin had sex with a corpse oh, in, the gotcha. in the turlet <laughs> because she thought it was me. <laughs> it's what like kind of people are working here. <laughs> um. So a funny detail that I noticed, and I don't know if this speaks to like the future of the relationship, but. Caitlin is in shock, like you said, and they have her like, it, like with hot cocoa and like a, a blanket yeah. and stuff in the back of an ambulance. And Snowball shows up yeah. and casually gets in there with her. <laughs> yeah, and he doesn't he... like make eye contact or anything. He just slips in there with her, and they shut the doors and drive off. I think he knows. I think he knows when to pounce. Uh, I think he knows when people are vulnerable. Um, I think he puts <laughs> his. Uh, I think he puts his hat on the guy's boner too. I think you're right. And also, does. they wheel the guy out to the the ambulance uh, with his porn magazine, with the better titties, the bigger titties. <laughs> the one with the bigger titties. <laughs> <laughs> the next chapter is Lamentation. Yeah. This is where we get the chip and salsa jaws uh, yeah. close-up that you had mentioned. So it's yeah. just a shot of a jar of salsa with a chip in it. Well, they do that, and then they go back, and then they're having this conversation. Dante's just bitching, and then they, they come back. Like He does a close-up again of the salsa before... Randall picks it up again. But this is where the line is. So what, you're going to sit there and be miserable because you don't have the guts to face change? And yeah, it basically, he just feels like he's not even spinning his wheels. He's just not even, he's not even doing anything with his life. Yeah. And it definitely comes, I'm sure it comes up. Uh, I, don't know, I don't know. I just haven't been in that position since I was a teenager. Like, I think I took a year after high school before I ended up leaving. But I know that feeling of just like, Man, it's just hopeless. Like, I got to do something different. I couldn't imagine living in that world for what, five, four, five years? Or they're like 20, it's supposed to be 22. So, like, four years of like that feeling, I guess. Uh, this this was part of the movie that resonated with me in particular because I, this, this is like the second half of my life, kind of like in, in, like, in summation. So, it's like, um, not so much the relationship stuff, more just the, the work kind of stuff. So, like, Randall tells him, like, you stay with Veronica because it's convenient and a little maintenance. And, like, please don't pine for one and fuck the other. That's just cruel to everyone yeah. involved. And um, Dante d- tells this little story about um, how he shat his pants when he was toilet training or something. Um, because, I guess, he didn't he didn't want to, like, lift the lid or something. <laughs> <laughs> but the way he the way he describes the relevance of that story is uh, he says I'm not the kind of person that will disrupt things just to be comfortable. Um, also, something else that's worth pointing out about the way uh, like the blocking and cinematography is done in this film, they do a very good job of like taking advantage of the space and varying the positions of the characters yeah. or like there's that scene where uh, Randall's hassling the woman in the video store and he's sitting on the counter yeah. and like using the counter as like a back brace to sit up. Um, and then I think in this scene, Dante's laying on his back on like one of the freezer units and Randall's sitting like by his head. Opposite, yeah. Yeah. It's like, 
you know, in watching the footage, you probably get wise to the fact that it's like, wow, this is really repetitive. We need to just put people in different positions in different places just to keep the viewer from getting bored. So it, it shows a measure of consideration that didn't have to be there, but I'm glad it is. Um, next chapter is juxtaposition, and uh, Jay and Silent Bob come in. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jay has a little exchange with Dante. He invites him to a party. Um, meanwhile, he's stealing candy in front of him yeah. <laughs> from just below the counter. Um, and uh, Jay reminds Dante uh, of the fact that Veronica does good things for him. Like, he just lists off all the good things that Jay, just in having been at the store today, has noticed Veronica do for him. And it's like, wow, that's a lot. <laughs> like, you really ought to consider that. Um, and uh, this is where Silent Bob has his only line in the movie. Uh, so Jay walks out, and uh, Silent Bob sticks around for just a second. And he just says very succinctly, you know, there's a million fine women in the world, but they all don't bring you lasagna at work. Most of them just cheat on you. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good line. And then my favorite, one of my favorite lines in the movie is where he goes outside, and you hear Jay in the background go, come on, limp dick. <laughs> it's such a good delivery. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it, it's it's very like a it's like a rubber band where it's like it's like it, it's like kind 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 nasty. <laughs> Come on, limp dick. Uh, it's off screen; like you don't see him saying it, which makes it funnier. Um, but yeah, uh, and then we cut to I guess uh, Randall is explaining to Veronica the situation. <laughs> that it's actually not the situation; he's just explaining stuff to her and. Uh, Basically, he lets her know, like, yeah, he wants to get back with Caitlyn. I think he wants to dump you. Um, and not that Dante put him up to this. Uh, the explanation later is that uh, Randall's like, I just didn't think you would want to do it, so I did it for you. I mean, he does tell him as much that you don't like to rock the boat, so maybe you need someone else to rock it for you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, and this is where this was her scene that you really liked. Yeah, uh, pretty much every time she gets in a shouting match with someone, she's pretty good. So we cut from that, and her the again the comedy comes in the form of her taking this news, this very bad news, and just being like, "I'm okay with that." And then cut immediately to Dante on the floor of the convenience store and her kicking him yeah. <laughs> and screaming at him. She brought him a um, lasagna. Yeah, that, I mean, really, that that shows a lot of love. That's love, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's love, man. But uh, we do the whip pan thing where we keep whipping back and forth between whoever's speaking. Um, and she confesses to having transferred schools, like, which she didn't have to do, but she transferred to a, a nearby school so as to, like, entice him into potentially following her. Yeah. So this is, like, she supports him. She loves him. And uh, also, like, he at this moment loves her too, but he can't do anything about it because Randall kind of shat the bed for him. Yeah. Um, but the icing on the cake comes in the form of her storming out of there saying that, like, it's made... I'm so much more upset because you had Randall tell me all this. It's like, I didn't ask him to. I didn't ask him to. (laughs) Oh, and she does it. I was like, I'm going to suck way more dicks on my way out, basically. (laughs) (laughs) You have no idea how many dicks. no idea what I'm capable of. (laughs) (laughs) You underestimate my power. (laughs) Uh, She has the high ground. She does um, have the high ground. Uh, so catharsis is the next chapter and immediately randall walks in there and dante has at it with him and they have a fight yes Um, as as good a fight as a twenty five thousand dollar movie with people without any measure of physicality can put on so 
Uh, we pretend to make a mess of the store because Kevin Smith had to clean it up after we finished filming. <laughs> so, yeah. so we just throw a bunch of candy on the floor and stuff. But uh, long story short, that we beat the shit out of each other, and uh, we all we all like take a knee basically. So we're all like splayed out on the floor. And uh, now that now that that burst of energy is done with, we can actually get back to talking. Uh, so I think Dante has like a stake on his eye or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's like straight out of a cartoon or something. But um, Randall makes it known that like he meant well. And like, like Kyle had said, he, he was trying to do Dante a favor by like taking care of things for him. And Dante lists his grievances in, in kind saying like, man, like everything you do for me shits on me in some way, <laughs> like everything. Um, and then he, there's repetition uh, throughout the entire movie, but it really comes up here in the form of him repeating the phrase, I'm not even supposed to be here today. Yeah. And Randall goes on a tirade about how both he and Dante work shit jobs, and somehow they both find a way to think of themselves as being superior to the people who come in, um, when in actuality they're working shit jobs and they yeah. know it. Um, that that touched something in me where it's like, man, I wish I'd seen this when I was younger. It probably would have lit a bit of a fire under my ass. Not much of one, but <laughs> something. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a, it's a nice little bit of dialogue. Actually. It's speaking from the heart and it's relatable for a lot of people. Um, and the final chapter of the story is a denouement and, uh, we clean up together and everything's kind of like seemingly settled for the most part. Not really though. Um, life goes on and this is only one day in the chapter of Don in the chapter of Dante and Randall's lives but they're okay with each other and that's mostly what's important sounds like Dante's going to try to talk to both ladies so I guess maybe things will work out with one of them or none of them we don't know although there is a clerks too so we'll see um, but like the final symbol of the peace between the two of them is that Dante encourages Randall to do his that same dance he did to walk into the store do the same dance out and it takes some coaxing but he gets him to do it and uh last thing that happens in the movie is randall tosses the sign the hand-drawn sign that dante had put up on the shutters and he just reminds him you're closed you're like you made it through the end of the day and then credits indie rock (laughs) (laughs) but yeah um yeah i hope you enjoyed it uh i actually really enjoyed going back and watching it i had some some real lols and uh, I think you should watch Clerks 2 in your own time. I really enjoy it. Uh, it's very funny. Much raunchier. Uh, but yeah, it's still a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I would like to check out Clerks 2. Um, very much so, in fact. I, it's funny, in doing research for this, I learned that there's apparently a documentary out there. I don't know if you can find it anywhere, but it's called Shooting Clerks. Mm-hmm. And apparently it's just the making of Clerks. It's probably... Yeah, I don't know if you can find it. Mm, I don't know. I think I think Chasing Amy is the only Criterion release of uh, his. Um, but I don't know. Maybe 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 Clerks is in the Criterion collection. Who knows? Because well, I I personally would actually really like to see that. Like actually see, like a little bit of the making of it. Although, I wouldn't be surprised if there's very little like behind the scenes footage, being as like just having a camera is kind of a privilege in some ways like especially in 1994 so i wouldn't imagine that there was someone like on set like running a camera like taking behind the scenes footage um but in addition to that i guess clerks 3 is forever to be announced um 
I don't know if that's necessary at this point. Um, I, then again, though, I haven't seen Clerks 2. But as far as I know, Kevin Smith's, uh, he has uh, his, tr- I think it's called True North Trilogy or something. So Tusk, um, uh, Yoga Hosers, and supposedly Moose Jaws. Uh, that's been kicked around a lot as like his next project. But it, in, in the wake of his heart attack, um, it seems like maybe he pivoted away from doing those because um, he, he had a heart attack and dropped a whole bunch of weight. And like it, I think it changed his outlook on life. And I think at this point he just wants to be working and, and staying positive, um, which is probably why uh, the, uh, was it, Jay and Silent Bob reboot got made. Yeah. He's like, you know, Jason could use some work. I need to stay busy. I have a family. So I think that took precedence after his heart attack and Moose Jaws seems like it might be just like a a lost project at this point. Unfortunately, that reboot is so bad. I don't know when the next time we're going to get a uh, uh, Kevin Smith movie. Yeah, I I don't know, but I I like that Kevin Smith exists in the film world. Mm -hmm. Um, So it would be nice if he kept making stuff, even if it's stuff I don't like. Um, but at the very least, I guess we'll get podcasts and stuff out of him. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he, he just seems like a really affable, cool guy. Like he, he, like among filmmakers of a certain generation, it's like, yeah, I think he would be one of the more interesting people to sit down and talk with. Like, yeah, <laughs> you I probably agree. get a lot out of him. But yeah, uh, that was Clerks. And uh, any idea how we're going to f- do the rest of the month kyle you got any other picks i have no picks as as of now i've got to do some homework okay so we got surprises for the next couple of weeks um but yeah uh that being said um if you want to check out some of our other work on the internets uh we do in fact have a website it is catching up on cinema.com uh we also have an instagram at catching up on cinema and a twitter at catching cinema <laughs> and uh yeah feel free to hit me up at either of those spots and uh We'll catch you next time. Yeah.